Hi, uh, welcome to episode 11 of the Uncommonly Common Conversations. Uh, tonight's episode, we're going to be discussing the current state of Star Wars, and we will try to make sure that we don't scream too loudly throughout the episode and blow everyone's eardrums. Um, so uh, just in order to kick off, we might just get everyone to introduce themselves. Um, Alan, we'll start with you, mate. Hey, everyone. Uh, Alan, I, I'd normally say a resident lawyer, but we've got Dean joining us tonight, who's also a legal practitioner. So welcome, Dean. And just for the record, I want to point out that Dean is also my lawyer as well. So, <laughs> so um, he'll moderate tonight's discussion and make sure we don't say anything terrible. No, that's um, yeah. Also, a resident Star Wars nerd, along with Reese. So, hopefully, we'll have a nice, productive discussion tonight. Of course, always productive when it comes to Star Wars. Uh, Matt, I'm Matt, a resident car guy uh, and high school teacher who's on holidays. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, hey. Oh, man. Like, I'm, I'm like wrecked from this term. It was only a nine-week term, and it's probably one of the hardest terms I've worked. But holidays now, um, and it starts with a – you know it's a good holiday when you sleep until 2 p.m.? So that's a, that is a, that is a great holiday. Um, so, yeah. My body is physically incapable of doing that anymore, so well done. Oh, dude, dude, like, I, I didn't think it was possible. Like, I woke up, like, to be fair, I woke up at, like, 7.30, um, got up, and then just, you know, uh, had a glass of water, went back to, and then sat on the bed, and then closed my eyes, like, oh, yeah, I'm up now. And then next, next minute, like, 2 p.m., like, what the hell, where did that happen? So, I think it was just my sleep catching up with me. But, um, no, uh, big fighting words for discussion tonight, I think, gentlemen, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Rob? Uh I my name's Rowan. I thought I was here for a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> no, um, I'm resident Trekkie. Um, I don't hold uh, too much hope out for uh, Star Wars, so we'll see how we go. Thanks, man. Uh, I do want to do a Star Trek um, podcast actually as well too. I do have a soft spot in my heart for Star Trek. Star Trek and Stargate. So, oh, I love Stargate. You would think Star Wars would be in my wheelhouse, but not so much. I like, I like, I absolutely adore Stargate. That was my guilty pleasure show during the two thousands, particularly Stargate Atlantis. That show was just brilliant. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dean, I believe this is your first episode. Yeah, this is my this is my first episode. So, as Alan alluded to, I'm also a solicitor. Um, so I'm not aware of this sleeping till. 2 p.m. thing, but I am aware of working till 2 a.m. Uh, that that's something I do quite regularly. So that sounds that sounds a bit normal, and I don't know what water is either, but I'm pretty sure that people make coffee out of it. Um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm a huge fan of of Star Wars. I'm pretty keen to to jump into this podcast. Um, so I, I probably my um, knowledge of Star Wars in comparison to recent Alan is probably um, should I say sub. It's um, below them. So I know your knowledge, both of your knowledge is pretty uh, titanic. So Some, might also, some might also say wasted as well. Like I'm pretty sure <laughs> if I put as much effort into sort of preparing for Star Wars um, as I should have put into my university, I probably also would be a lawyer like you two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if the brain is a USB stick, like it's just full of unnecessary shit that just could... <laughs> be reserved for something better but you know i know what planet a character is from from like anyway i could probably fine. monologue for the next hour just what's happened with star wars in the last decade <laughs> but um i'm yeah. not gonna i'm not gonna indulge in that vanity project i might do that for one of the special episodes 
It's funny, like when we've all got like things that that we that we really like, and we hold pointless information about it. Like, you know, I'll I'll be driving at nighttime, and I'll see a car in the distance, and be like, oh, I know what that, I know what those taillights are off. And my girlfriend would be like, "There's something wrong with you. Like, like this is not normal." <laughs> so it can relate, gentlemen, to uh, to having pointless shit in your in your mind um, that 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 will never get me anywhere. But but it's it's good to have. Matt, I can relate to that as well. I have the same issue. But God, that's such and such. And my partner will be like, "What? How do you know that?" Like, <laughs> I mean, actually speaking of pointless shit, we might just segue <laughs> into Star Wars for a sec. Just, I, I I do want to come back to something but, oh, it's starting soon. but uh, i was thinking about this the other day that um at one point i had like a solid working knowledge of the old canon and there was obviously that period in like 20 early 2013 when disney announced that the old canon was no longer valid and i remember just my like my heart breaking because i was deeply entrenched in that law for a while and i i distinctly remember uh, being on a date with someone at um on chapel street and she was clearly feigning interest in me wanting to talk about star wars and i went into this really <laughs> deep dive into like the different structure of it but at the time i was really excited about disney redoing the canon because i'm like you know all this knowledge i knew was useless and contradictory and i actually kind of felt like there was this weight lifted off me <laughs> <laughs> now that it was all starting from fresh and it's going to be done properly. I was so young Reece, and naive back then. <laughs> you, you, you were doing God's work, Reese. Let, yeah. let's, let's be honest there. You were doing God's work. Did you get a second day? Yeah, actually, we did. I, it didn't, I didn't get to a third one with her, but we did actually get a second day. Yeah. Fuck, I can't remember her name. Anyway, that's my wife might listen to this. We might, <laughs> we might scrub and might skip forward, actually. My fault for bringing up that anecdote, but... Um, all right, guys, this uh, news last week. It's been interesting. Um, so there's uh, clearly an indestructible Logitech controller at the f at the base of the uh, Atlantic Ocean at the moment. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's Photoshop, but um, just for, for anyone that may not be aware of uh, the, the Titanic escapade last week, um, a, a submarine um, went down and apparently imploded um not that long after it went underwater and apparently the u.s navy was aware of it like the moment it happened but they didn't announce it for like three or four days for some reason so they sent a rescue mission to try to retrieve a submarine that they knew had imploded like three days earlier so that was fun um, and then it turns out that the reason why the submarine imploded was because the uh, cost-cutting measures to create the submarine were using materials that literally eroded and ate themselves in salt water. And so the <laughs> carbon fiber, <laughs> by the time they got to the seventh dive, I think it was the eighth dive was what the submarine was up to, the carbon fiber had basically become so brittle that it was effectively adding no protection whatsoever and it just kind of collapsed in on itself and then caused the steel to implode. Um, and so while everyone was kind of laughing at the fact that they were using an off-brand Logitech controller, which uh, to be fair is a good sort of, you know, good sort of summary of the, of the uh, how the sub was made, I, I do think it's absolutely incredible that like the US Navy knew about it. And also James Cameron knew a bit that they were dead almost instantly and then they kind of just let it roll in the media cycle with this like, fake pretense of rescuing them i will say like james cameron's been pretty much a, a big jerk about this whole thing and i think he's a little bit of an ulterior motive there because he does have his own sub company that is trying to do this kind of shit as well so like eh. if i was him i'd be raising is prices just, after this one <laughs> yeah i think he's just blonde smoke up his own ass really like let's be honest it's james cameron he's got you two guys... things avatar and titanic 
So what do we get? Avatar, wave the water. <laughs> yeah, we get... Well, you got to think they're like, what a waste of resources if they knew that it had imploded. Like, why waste all those? I mean, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of resources. Um, just, you know, just like... Yeah. Yeah. Can we just backtrack like... on that? I wasn't aware that... What's this bizarre about they knew about it? All right. I haven't heard so, anything about this. Okay, so this is um, during the Cold War. Uh, so late, late 50s, early 60s, the US Navy set up underwater listening stations all around the world in order to monitor Soviet subs. Um, and so the U.S. Navy literally have microphones spread out in, across the entire planet um, that triangulate submarines throughout them. So the U.S. Navy apparently reported to the Coast Guard that a, a an implosion was recorded, the sound of an implosion was recorded, coincidentally at the exact instance that that submersible lost contact with the surface. Um the Coast Guard apparently sat on that information for several days while they conducted a uh, attempt to rescue the submarine. Now, depending on what element of Twitter you're reading, um, it's either because of just gross incompetence or it was because the Biden administration wanted to try to distract from what was happening with Hunter Biden's court cases. <laughs> so again, it really depends on what interpretation of Twitter you're on at that particular point. But it, it does seem demonstrate. it does seem factual that they knew that the sub imploded three days earlier than they acknowledged it right okay part of it was also that they didn't want to reveal how they knew that it imploded so early uh, on in the whole situation because it's confidential highly classified whatever american army bullshit navy whatever i remember having dinner um after mh370 disappeared in like 2014 i was having dinner with a guy that worked for um one of the Australian intelligence agencies, and, and he was sort of saying that um, everyone kind of knew what happened, but no one wanted to actually say it. And so they all kind of knew basically where it went down, but no one wanted to acknowledge that they were spying on all the flights that were happening around that area. And so they kind of had this like weird thing where they were getting like universities to sort of send out like expeditions on boats to sort of canvas areas where there might be a possibility. Um, but the reason why they couldn't end up fighting it is because it was like buried on the side of an underwater mountain. So it's like, there's like, there's definitely like the governments and these agencies definitely know these organizations definitely have a lot more sort of oversight over what's happening in the oceans than they sort of publicly acknowledge. And the interesting one about the, um, the submarine stuff is that because of the way sound travels on the water, these acoustic microphones are incredibly accurate. Cool. So then, also next fun story. Um, it turns out that there was also a attempted coup against Putin, um, but yeah. it may have not been a coup. It could have also just been a a weird sort of like reverse attack. I don't know. I'm not sure how you would frame it. But so the the Wagner Group, which is a Russian mercenary group, um, in response to the Russian defense force. Um, allegedly killing hundreds of them behind the lines, decided that they were going to march a thousand kilometers on Moscow. Um, and then they took over a couple of towns. They apparently shot down some Russian helicopters. And then apparently the Belarusian government mediated a compromise in which the leader of Wagner went to Belarus and then the Wagner soldiers went back to the Ukrainian front lines. And this all happened over about 36 hours. Um, <laughs> So does that, am I missing anything with that one? Because this is very confusing. 
what was really interesting about that is you could actually watch their move the the coup movements on Google Maps because people were going out and checking the highways and saying oh, the road closed, road closed, road closed because there's hundreds of kilometers of uh, of these twenty five thousand odd troops or something going back to Moscow. Yeah, um, from Radoslog something or other yes. down southern yeah southern Russia all the way up. So you could actually see the the road closures happening. So you could track their movements until it got to two hundred mile uh, two hundred kilometers from. Moscow before they went out to Belarus in exile or whatever the fuck that is. It was, it was, what I found interesting was there was no, absolutely no conflict at all. Um, like they passed Russian soldiers, but either they were not ordered to, um, you know, engage or, or get involved. But there was no, no one pulled any trigger to, to kick anything off. It was just sort of a, it's it's a more peaceful march than a lot of the um, the marches that we have during the COVID lockdowns or one of the oh. animal rights marches. Uh, there's probably less violence in in that coup than there is in a in a first world country well, protest these days. So. Yeah. That's how he framed it as well. He framed it as a a, a march for justice it's, instead it's, of a, a coup it's or a, whatever you want to call very it. Very heavily armed. Yeah, it's amazing how peaceful justice. marches are when everyone's extremely heavily armed. <laughs> Because he got so with his, what, 200k of Moscow, according to what he said. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's Well, okay. that's, that's, you know, that's, that's nearly as close as Hitler got. So that's, that's pretty impressive. You know, he picked the right time of year to do it, I suppose. I think, so, the, like, the other interesting thing about that whole Wagner group is that, you know, 50% of their troops are criminals that have yeah. been taken out of their prisons. And yeah. I'm just like, why didn't they just go, you know, like, fuck this, I'm just going to keep going, or I'm going to hightail it out here somewhere else? Well, like, why are they staying? Well, one of the things I, I read about the Wagner guys was that they had to be careful about where they deployed them against the Ukrainians because they were basically just, like, surrendering in mass and going to the Ukrainians to try to get, like, new identities and not get blown up as cannon fodder. Um, mm. Because it, it's a weird unit to join when you're, like, your casualty rate is in, like, the 80%. Like, that would, that would sort of make me question the leadership <laughs> and how much they value my life. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's it's been an interesting week. Um, and also, apparently, I do apologize, Alan. Apparently, there is the fight between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg is still on. Apparently, um, Elon I Musk... I thought you said his mum said no. No, no, she did say no. Apparently, they spoke about it, and he's convinced her that he's, it's okay for him to do it. Um, so, a, a, apparently, they're, they both seem keen to have a cage match in Las Vegas at some point next year. Um, right. Which, Do I have to watch it through the metaverse or some bullshit? Or uh, it's like, definitely going to be. It's definitely going to be on Twitter. Like, let's be realistic yeah. here. It's definitely going to be Twitter on Twitter. spaces. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it's probably one of those things where you have to get like a, a Twitter premium to watch it or something. Which, whatever, they'll get my eight bucks. That's for sure. Um, you know, <laughs> but yeah, so apparently uh, Elon Musk and uh, you know Mark Zuckerberg are going to have an MMA cage fight at some point in the next twelve months. Isn't um. Hasn't Zuckerberg been training for a while? Uh, like in MMA style? Like fighting? Uh, yes, he, he has. Um, which apparently... Uh, sorry. Yes, he has been training. Um, and apparently Elon Musk's response to that is that he's going to use the walrus method and body slam him <laughs> to, and then use his um, his bulbous weight to sort of hold him down. That's not my words. That's Elon Musk's words. And he conveyed that with a series of gifts that also referenced Elon Tusk from Rick and Morty. Um, so, yeah, good, good. so clearly there's clearly there's some strategizing happening at the moment. 
yeah, he needs to train. If he wants to fight, he needs to train. Like, it's, like, yeah. It's got to be set, like, six to 12 months in, in the future. Like, he's going to have to do, like, a heap of work and then do one of those six-week, like, fitness, well, they call them boot camps. Yeah. And then go into the fight. Like, they, all they do for six weeks is fight. Yeah. In a secluded location, is my understanding. And then, boom, in you get absolutely cut. So I'm, I wait to see the montage training video of that. It'll be great. I don't know, man. I, mean, I know, I know the world's in a bit of a weird place at the moment, but like this kind of stuff just lifts my spirits to know that <laughs> two of the richest people in the world are apparently totally down for it. So, whatever. Uh, did you notice though that um, no one's fucking with Jeff Bezos? <laughs> well, so apparently there. Okay, so I've heard another rumor that Elon Musk has a burner account um, called Elon Musk Parody. Um, and he's been <laughs> like, so there's pictures of like, um, like Bezos walking around shirtless with his like, you know, like supermodel wife. And the top comment oh, consistent, the top comment is consistently that from this Elon Musk par- parody account that, um, yeah, you may be ripped, but your wife drives my Teslas. <laughs> <laughs> And so there's, there's, I don't know if it's true, but like, it's one of those things where like, you know, it's kind of like faith. You kind of, you sort of just have to hope sometimes that things are, you know, you're never going to be able to prove it, but you just kind of hope that it's true because well, the world's just a bit better with that faith. Was that six pack not also surgically implanted? Onto it's not a legit six pack. Onto Bezos, like he just he, yeah he just woke up one day and had a six pack basically, and the internet went nuts. You sure? It looks like he's got a set of pipes on him. Uh, okay. Look, I'll just add to the rumor mill, but I'm pretty sure it's not real. Maybe it's my burner account that I'm using. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Are you guys, um, anything else interesting from the last week that I may have missed? No, I think that's all the news that I'm aware of. Pretty much. Yeah, nothing for me. Oh, lovely. Awesome. So um, let's move on to the topic tonight, which is the, the current state of Star Wars. Um, just for reference, the episode may not be called this when we put it online um, because I want to make it a little bit more clickbaity. Um, and just last week's episode has now got 125 views on YouTube, um, which oh, yeah. is three times higher than our other highest episode. So I'm not entirely sure what happened last week, but clearly that um, that title got some did something with YouTube's algorithm. So I'm not saying 120 yeah, views. Yeah, got on the algorithm. I'm not saying 120 views is, you know, incredible. But when you consider that the episode two before or two episodes before we got two views, I'm pretty happy with that, you know, that. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's progress, Rick. It's progress. Progress. We're getting up there. We're getting up there. I'm pretty sure we're in double digit for OnlyFans now. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, guys. So uh, the discussion for tonight is that uh, in 2012, Disney produced... Um, sorry, in 2012, uh, Disney bought... Uh, Lucasfilm from George Lucas um, and the deal was for approximately three, $3 billion which at the time was you know quite a large amount of money for entertainment properties um, since that period uh, Disney have produced an enormous number of um, movies uh, TV shows uh, video games properties and all to various sort of degrees of crit- uh, critical commercial and fan success um, so I suppose what I wanted to sort of discuss tonight is kind of everyone's feelings about the last decade of Star Wars and what we think might happen in the next decade. 
Uh, so just to kind of kick it off, I'm just going to just give a bit of a rundown on what's happened in the last 10 years. Um, and I'm just going to discuss the major, mostly the major films, the TV shows, um, and just to give you an idea of how that's been tracking. So in 2014, um, The Force Awakens was announced by Disney as part of the uh, sequel trilogy. Um, and cast was announced, first trailer dropped, and it was met with insane fanfare. And in 2015, we got the launch of Force Awakens, which totaled about $2 billion globally. Um, a year later, Disney released Rogue One, which totaled roughly $1 billion globally. And then the year after that, they released the uh, the controversial Last Jedi, which grossed uh, $1.3 billion. So there's already an $800 million drop between Episode sure. 7 and Episode 8. Um Two years later, in 2019, they released uh, Rise of Skywalker, which just passed a billion dollars but made less money than Rogue One did. And so between Episode 7 and Episode 9, the, the gross for each of those films halved effectively. In that time, they also released a series of um, shows on their, on their streaming service, most notably The Mandalorian, which uh, received far more critical praise than uh, The Rise of Skywalker did. It's been interesting over the last five or six years as a Star Wars fan because I think that The Last Jedi, decisions that were made in The Last Jedi did a lot to um, splinter the fan base and it really highlighted that Disney kind of doesn't have a clue of what they're doing. Um, and so I might just sort of kick across and just sort of open up for discussion now. What, how does everyone feel about sort of, you know, these films over the last five to six years, not necessarily what, you know, if they're good or bad films, but more just sort of, you know, what is everyone's sort of feelings about the last five to six years of Disney movies? It's a mess. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that, that that's just... In, in, Pick it in, off, Matty boy. <laughs> Come on. Tell us what you really think. Uh, I mean, I can if you really want me to. Um, no, it's... it's uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a complete shit show. Um, like they, they kind of teased us, and the hype was real. Like I remember, uh, I remember we went to the um to the midnight launch of this, well, well the, the midnight screening, and um, so excited, and I walked out of there saying, "What the hell did I just watch? Like, what was that?" Um, and being so bitterly disappointed, and and but I was like, "No." Nah, I'm, I'm on board I'm, I'm you know they're not going to let me down a second time and then the next one came out and I was just like this is this is even worse so um when you've got and I've said this before but when you when you've got a uh, an OJ Simpson type sky chase um uh, it it just basically completely just boggled the mind I was like no nah, I'm done um I think that was like pretty much the last straw for me and um the fact that now Ray's like the most powerful Jedi after like two two seconds seconds and i was like this makes no sense they're just like you want star wars here's some lightsabers here's some this here's some that and i think i think they were just trying to like you know um <laughs> i actually i don't even know what the hell they were trying to do they made so many mistakes um and it, it was just a kick in the nuts to all the all the real you know all the real star wars fans who've been who've been on board for years and um i just think it's just been a cash grab um and they haven't done it for the love of star wars they've done it for their pockets um and for me, that is the big, you know, the consumer and the fans are the real losers here. Um, so 
you know, I grew up on Star Wars, like, you know, watched them all, you know, still got them on VHS, like, you know, like from years ago, like my mom was a big Star Wars fan and, and, you know, I, um, just bitterly disappointed. Like I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Um, and I was just so disappointed. And I think that is, that, that is the key word that they, they realized their mistakes and then they made it worse. And, and like they, they were, they weren't, uh, they weren't looking at, to make a good movie, they were, they were just looking at their pockets. And for me, a cash grab for a movie is a complete waste of time. Alan Dean, Sorry. Wrong? Not so good. <laughs> um, props to you for referring to it as the OJ Simpson chase in space. That's, I've never heard that before, but that's so freaking true. Good, it's good what it was. Yeah, 100%. The slowest <laughs> chase ever. Um, my general commentary is, look, we've had some really good stuff come out of the last... 10 or so years, but we've also had some really, really shit stuff. And it's the really, really shit stuff that irks me. Um, as well as the fact that it's now established that basically there was no plan. So Disney bought, you know, this franchise that's... Everyone loves and it's amazing. And they decided to make a trilogy without a solid, coherent plot. Like, overarching plot through these three movies. So we had JJ doing his mystery boxes. We had... Um, Rian doing his what's what's that word he loves using? Um, something expectations. Um, uh, what's the word, Reese? Not uh, defying expectations. Um, subverting. Subverting. Subverting expectations. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And then we had JJ back in episode nine, basically just undoing everything that the previous movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, me, wor- it's worth noting. Worse. That, sorry, it's worth noting that episode nine is like I've never seen a cinematic equivalent of someone pissing on someone else like that movie like it was just it was actually such a waste of my time that they were just using precious minutes of star wars cinema to undo what the previous prick did because he undid what they did like it was just exactly. staggering so, sorry alan no that's okay he also undid what... sorry Dan, he also go, go. undid what episode six did like he pissed on eight he pissed on on six like he went further back and went, oh yeah, instead yeah. of having six to be a really crisp right. ending. Let's where you know. Let's come back. To, let's come back evil. to the the original trilogy because I want to. I definitely want to talk about that shortly. But I want to. I want. I have. I have a discussion point for the original trilogy. Sorry, Dean. So we'll come back to that. Hold that thought. No, no, that's all right. Yeah, and if we're to compare it to Disney's other property in that same sort of time frame, I know um, the MCU sort of started before that, but. Like phase that first phase before um, Infinity War and Endgame, like there was some pretty, there was some stuff that was a little bit dodgy in the Marvel movies, but like overall, the whole thing was fantastic, and they did a fantastic mm. job with it. And it's obvious that there's good direction um, and good management up at the top. So that's sorely lacking, I think, at the moment with Star Wars. So that's just my two cents for now. Like yeah, you said, they they pissed on the last movie. Like they pissed on all us fans, is what they did. Um, and you, you know, and it's, and I give them no benefit of any doubt of, of anything because they completely shut on us and it was just a complete disgrace. Um, you know, they, it was, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just, just to add to that point. I, I feel like, um, the direction was just to be like, not nope, cash grab and, you know, and, and that, and that's what they're going to do. So. Um, it wasn't just they were trying to piss on each other. Essentially, they pissed on all the fans, like the genuine fans of the franchise. Um, so I'm just going to so, I'm just going to defend Disney here for a sec, Matt, because I completely disagree with you that these films have been done as cash grabs. 
because that would okay. actually imply that they made money and mm. they didn't. <laughs> so if they, if they were going to do a cash grab, there's much better ways they could have done it. Well, I mean, they... It was just like they put those stupid penguin-looking things in the movie. Like, no one cared about the penguins. Like, no, nobody cared about any anything. They just wanted to see Star Wars, like a proper Star Wars film. Uh, and what we got wasn't wasn't that. You know, yeah, I, I'm, but, but I'm, the, never, I'm never going to get the the, 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 the the ninth movie back. I, I'm never going to get that time I watched it. I've only ever seen it once, and I only ever see it that one time. I'm, I refuse to ever watch it again because it like, hurt me that much. Like, this is this is pissed me off. A cash grab is not defined by getting cash. It's the attempt at grabbing cash that makes it a cash grab. Just because they failed at grabbing cash doesn't mean the motives weren't trying to make a lot of money off something that's already established without honouring the actual content. Okay. The reason why I don't think that the films were a cash grab is because I think that they genuinely tried to make good Star Wars films. They were just incompetent. And the... The Star Wars stuff where they have actually competently made things like Rogue One. And then this is where I think we need to... Sorry, Rowan, from a Trekkie's perspective, before I go into my whole tirade defending Disney um, for <laughs> counterbalance, what, is, what, are your, uh, what are your views on the last eight years? Um, so I think uh, so. the one film out of the, the last eight years, 10 years, that I really enjoyed and... Yeah, would be Rogue One. Um, yeah. And I do know, like, obviously there was production issues with uh, Number 9, and we know that, you know, Carrie Fisher unfortunately passed away prior to that being done. So uh, from what I understand, she, her character was going to be more... Um, did I say her name right? Carrie Fisher, was that right? Uh, Carrie, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, so I know her character is supposed to be more prominent in Number 9, but because shit happens, um, people, you know, pass away. Unfortunately, uh, they had to change some stuff. So, I when I went to see Channel Nine, uh, Channel Nine, Chapter Nine with my partner, who is a big Star Trek fan, a Star Wars fan. My God, why am I saying this wrong? <laughs> um, he was really disappointed. Like he was just like, "What the fuck was that?" And I just went, "Sorry, uh, what what just happened? I don't understand anything that just happened here. Didn't we finish with this in Number Eight, and now we've got this over here on Number Nine? Like we're just like." It was a fever dream, and now we're going to finish with this. Like I just, I, I think why I like my favorite franchise of Star Trek is because they're kind of individualized uh, stories. Yes, there are they've rehashed stories, and I do think uh, like you know Khan things like that. Um, but like in Star Wars, in a galaxy far, far away, it's bizarre to me that. Everyone lives on the same fucking street. Like, they all just come back and it's like, what the fuck? Why? We finished with these people over here, but now you're just going to drag them back in for nostalgia hits so you can, again, make some money. But clearly, you fucked it up. Sorry for swearing a bit here. But I don't... I, yeah. I enjoy the property when it goes outside of the original trilogy. The original trilogy was great, and I had parents that were not... Sci-fi were not... Star Wars people, they didn't really go to movies at all, so I watched them by myself later when I was older. I really enjoyed those. One, two, and three, sure, at the time they were average, but they were okay. I think in like 10, 20, 15 years' time, I'll probably look back and I'm like, yeah, seven, eight, nine, they were okay. It was a bit between eight and nine, but it was okay. 
but I do like the external properties that are not based on like the actual um, main storyline because obviously they use the movies to um, push the timeline forward within that franchise. They that's the big movie temples are to push the movie the the story forward. But I like the stories that are outside of that main story arc, if that makes sense. So yeah, give me Rogue One any day and give me the first two seasons of Mandalorian, except for at the end, and then we'll I pieced out like I was done. As soon as I saw Luke, I was like, nah, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> and and the thing's probably worth about noting with the Mandalorian, and I'm I'm going to defend Disney here for a minute just to sort of you know add a bit of counter to the Disney hate, which rightly placed Matt, I agree with it, but I think we need to we need to we need to give him a bit of a pat as well too. Is that Disney genuinely made an effort with what they were calling their anthology films, and so Rogue One was set up as the first anthology film, and then Solo was going to be the second one, and then you're going to have Obi Wan, Boba Fett. There's going to be a, there were a number of properties that were that were effectively meant to be these sort of standalone films that were going to pepper in between the main ten poles, and the the problem though is is that the anthology films didn't make any money, and so yes, Rogue One made a billion dollars, but a year earlier, Force Awakens made two billion, and so from Lucasfilm's perspective, you know these movies were diminishing returns. I think Solo, from, I should have written that one down, but I think Solo only made something like six hundred million, and so Disney did try to make these sort of like high budget, you know well put together films because like solo i think is a really great film like i genuinely think solo is better than eight and nine in star wars i'm gonna counter you with this yeah so han solo from my coming in later into the franchise not growing up on it coming in later han solo had this uh mystique about him where he could do the the kessler run in 12 parsecs please correct me if i'm wrong star wars people um like that was great he you know when you watch those movies, you're like, oh, is this, is he, you know, telling the truth or is he you know, stretching it a little bit? Like, what's happening here? And then to get a movie where he actually does it, I'm just like, now you've ruined all the mystery about him. Like, just, mm. like, just fuck it off. We don't need that Han Solo movie. I think that's kind of, from, from my point of view, as a kind of outside looking in going, I didn't need to know how he did that. That was part of his character over here, which was great. Going, oh, maybe he did it because everyone's kind of like, hmm, you could do that. So to actually see how he did it, I was like, yeah. yeah we didn't right. need to know how he got his name. Like, we didn't, like, literally what? We, we learned how he got his name. We learned how he got his ship. We learned how he got his blaster. Like, just, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. That's right. Like, I enjoyed the film as well, but, um, no, yeah, okay. Just, I don't disagree with either of you. It was unnecessary, but that doesn't mean it was a bad film. Agreed. Agreed. No, it was an all right film. And I think that that's kind of where where I think Solo got a bad bad rap is because it it should never have happened. But that was the last time I personally think Disney took a risk because it was the last because you know they didn't they didn't do an Indiana Jones thing where they DH Harrison Ford for twenty minutes. Um, which maybe if they were going to do solo again now, that's what they'd look at doing. Um, they recast an actor in the vein of what they did with the prequel trilogies with Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan and and with um, Donald Glover as um, Lando. So they, they made a genuine attempt to sort of try to emulate the prequel trilogy style by you know, de-aging these characters and bringing in new actors to bring something to the roles. I, I generally think like Solo, you know, it ends with that Darth Maul cliffhanger. Like it was really, 
really solid film, but it came off the back of The Last Jedi. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure we've already discussed this on podcast, but, you know, just like, like I personally think The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars film just from a pure production, like artistic direction. You know, Ryan Johnson tried to do things that were different, but it was a terrible Star Wars story because it completely exposed, as Alan said earlier, that Disney and Kathleen Kennedy and that creative team had no overarching plan for the sequel trilogy. Like there was nothing in place. And then because those films had no overarching plan, it meant that everything that was filling the gaps like your um, your Mandalorian, which you know we, I want to discuss that in a minute, but all of these properties are now effectively trying to plug the gaps of bad storytelling at the top end. And I think that that's had a cascading effect down for the, the entire Star Wars canon for the last 10 years. Like, I'm no, not, that's not denying... Sorry, sorry. Um, no, you I, go, Pat. I, I'm not denying that... Um, you know they haven't tried, and they, and they've and yeah, you know, everything like what you're saying, everything was bad. Like I'm not I'm not saying that everything was bad. Um, but what I am saying is that like the stuff they needed to get right, like the fundamentals of of, of Star Wars, they needed to get right um, for the for the main trilogy. Um, you know, it's if they if they can't get that right, you know, of course people are going to turn away because it's just like well, you know, like they're they're completely ruining it. Why why would why would you why would you continue to watch it? Um, and well, I'm not, I'm not denying that solo solo's okay, and 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 Rogue One's good. I'm I'm just um I'm just saying as a, as a holistic point of view, like they've shot themselves in the foot, and now they are trying to trying to like you know backpedal and, and say, oh no no, this is it's okay. What we you know what we're doing is great, when they've completely when they've completely disregarded that in in in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we just want a good film. Like we just want a good you know a. a, a generally something to that, that we were like you know walk out of it and say hey that was actually really really good um instead of instead of being walking out feeling angry and, and bitter and disappointed about a franchise um and yeah you, you can you can produce some some great things and, and mando's, mando's a, a, a great representation i like you know i, I enjoy mando mm-hmm. but the um yeah you're right at the, the, the top end the, the the main story the main trilogies and stuff you know th- that needed to be that then needed to be if they're going to do it they got to have to do that right and and they and they completely on my on on you know on where I'm sitting ruined it, and in effect in an effect it had like it painted my you know my excitement for Star Wars because every time a Star Wars thing would happen I'd be so excited like I would be g'd up yeah. for the you know for the months leading up to it and you know be discussing oh it's gonna be great it's gonna be great it's gonna be amazing, um, and then get getting so bitterly disappointed it hurt like it, as a, as a genuine fan. Um, and and no amount of like other little things is gonna is gonna help that unless they unless they start to really you know get their get the shit together do you think that's why they brought back pre-existing characters to the franchise or to the well yeah to the franchise in general like the tv shows and the movies to help bring that kind of like hey we're sorry here's some someone you do know that's you like do you think that's why they've done that or is there another reason um, yes I, I mean personally i i think i think they have but but i also think that they're trying to resonate back with with um with the real fans of the show because because they they realize their 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 mistakes, um, you know and and uh, you know full credit for them for trying um, but also at the same point of like who the hell signed off those films to to that that got them that got them there in the first place you know like um 
Carrie Fisher walking straight past Chewie, hugging, <laughs> hugging a person that never ever met or spoken to before in Ray. Uh, they acknowledged, yeah, yeah, we screwed up. They put their hands up, so like, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. But like, you know, it, it just set a precedent for the for the next two films, and it was a complete shit show after that um, of, of like the, of the trilogy films. And you know, for me, the other films like the, yeah, while they were good and watchable, and and, and I, I mean, I I enjoyed them. Um, in the back of my head, was just saying like this is like you know this where was this in the actual in the actual trilogy and then now i've like when a new star wars thing comes out i'm like i'm like oh yeah you know what i'm I'm kind of whatever about anymore i'm never i'm not as excited and i think you know uh as you were saying reese you know to to be to be successful and stuff that they they need to make a bazillion dollars in but success doesn't always equal equal uh, like equal money right success success equals you know the hype behind a film and it's the same thing with, we, we discussed about the Marvel franchise. Like, there's just a bazillion movies coming out. You know, I was like, oh, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll watch whichever one I, I feel like watching. Yeah. I don't have any hype for them anymore. Um, and but but it happened for me earlier with Star Wars because they just completely you know shut the bed. Um, and, and I, you I, didn't. It, with the MCU stuff, you're sort of at the point where you've had enough content that now it's sort of the hype's gone. But with Star Wars, it wasn't too much content. It was the content disappointed you and wet your flame that's that's the way i look at it yeah yeah um my my view on this is similar to alan's with in that i I can't see in star uh, disney didn't sit down and say right well this is the arc we want to do over the three episodes this is our overarching sort of plan and what it felt like to me is that three students are doing a group project they all go off and do their part come together and they've all gone in different directions and none of it makes sense and they went well we could do the work and actually plan this but how about we just stick it together and submit it anyway and see what happens yeah but um, it's kind of worse and they got a bad mark back um, because it has no cogency but um, but it's kind of then- it's worse than that because the third student handed in his homework and did it for the wrong assignment. So they just kicked him out. And then the first student had to do the third student's homework. (laughs) And he just copied what he did and he just changed it. (laughs) Submit the... That's fair. He got his first semester project and just did it again for the third. Wasn't also the reason why the JJ didn't do the second film because of that personal family history, that family stuff that was going on? Uh, Is it... uh, because I know he didn't do the other start one of the Star Treks or continue that because of Star Wars and then that family issue. He had to step away. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, they they had three directors lined up from the beginning um, with them because they wanted to do them. They wanted them filming concurrently. Um, so seven and eight were filmed somewhat concurrently or at the very least back to back. Because, yeah, they, they, they definitely did have a plan to try to have three different directors because they wanted to sort of emulate the original trilogy where there was Lucas, um, was it Kaz, who was the second director? Kirshner. And then the third one was Lucas again, but that was only because Spielberg pulled out at the last minute. Um, so they, they definitely did want to try to sort of emulate that story. Uh, but I just want to, if, if I can, please, guys, because I, I want to throw something up for discussion here because this is in my opinion, like what perfectly encapsulates just how fucking bad Star Wars is during the sequel trilogy. So I'm just going to share a screen for a sec. So you should just get a pop-up, Dean. You might have to. Yep. Yep, cool. All right. Watch screen. So what I've just put up is a picture of Ryan Johnson holding a a sign 
that says your Snoke theory sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, Snoke was one of the interesting mystery boxes that came out of episode seven. And in, in, my, in my humble opinion, I think that Snoke perfectly encapsulates what is wrong with the sequel trilogy of Star Wars and to an extent also encapsulates what's wrong with Mandalorian as well too. Um, so just for some context, uh, Snoke was introduced as kind of the big bad that Kylo Ren was reporting to um, in episode seven. And he was uh, deliberately done as a mysterious character. During all of the supplementary canon around like the Aftermath books and everything that was sort of written, even the comics that were designed to sort of support the narrative, no one gave any indication as to who Snoke was or what he was. And so the prevailing theory in 2015, 2016 was that Snoke was Darth Plagueis. And that would have been a really neat tie-in to the prequel trilogy and it would have done this like lovely sort of rhythm between the films. Um, it was, uh, not this guy. It was another Star Wars creator, which I think it was Diablo Rodriguez. I think his name is, I'm sorry, I'm completely, I'm completely screwing that up. Um, during a fan conference leading into Star Wars episode eight, um, wore a t-shirt that says your Snoke theory sucks. And they were making a big song and dance about how all of these sort of Snoke fan theories were completely off the mark and you're never going to guess who Snoke actually is. Like you, you'll never well, see it right. coming. Yeah, they were. They didn't know who he was. Yeah, they were 100% right. And that's the problem. <laughs> they, they didn't know who he was. And so, of course, you get to episode eight and the big sort of, you know, reveal is, is that Snoke doesn't matter. He's a, he's a nobody that Kylo Ren kills within 12 minutes of screen time. However, you then get to episode nine and the you know what the subtitle of episode nine should be you know somehow palpatine returned because that's literally as much creative thought as they put into <laughs> that problem and it turns out that snoke was just some force puppet that was being controlled by palpatine in order to control the first order vicariously which actually contradicted all of the expanded universe canon up until that point which was pretty adamant that palpatine was dead and so I, I suppose what I wanted sort of just to discuss Snoke is because I think he's just a good sort of focal point as to just how badly planned the Disney era of Star Wars is to such an extent that even Mandalorian is somewhat trying to supplement the Snoke theory by introducing Force-sensitive cloning as an ongoing story arc throughout it. So I'm just curious as to sort of what everyone's sort of views are on sort of Snoke and how that reflects the broader issues with Star Wars presently. Even with what they're doing with The Mandalorian, admit, admittedly, I did enjoy... Has everyone watched the latest season? Am I going to spoil anything for anyone if we talk about I it? haven't seen the latest, but you can spoil it. It's okay. Okay. Sorry. Because um, yeah, I peaced out after season two. All right, sweet. Fair, good fair, time, fair, good fair, time fair. to knock off on that one. Well, there is an episode where it's focused on Coruscant and the Doctor from... Um, the first two seasons that was trying to extract the stuff from Grogu who sort of got caught up in everything um, and he's trying to be rehabilitated by the New Republic and he's sort of having a crisis of conscience because he feels like he should be doing his work but the New Republic's limiting what he's able to do for the New Republic so he's he's a scientist who wants to science, like do science but he's not being allowed to by the new authorities who are in charge and so he gets manipulated into essentially um 
doing some stuff with the cloning side of things, which is used, being used to back up Snoke. And then we've got the end reveal where it looks like um, Moff Gideon was trying to clone himself and injecting himself with Force. It was Grogu, right? The, the Grogu stuff was in those clones. Is that right, Grace? Um, no. So Grogu isn't in very specific clones because they couldn't access Grogu. But the implication is the intent was to use Grogu's DNA for it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there was a couple of cool concepts there, but at the end of the day, like, we all know where it leads, and we don't give a shit about what happened because it was so stupid at the time. So we're laying down all this groundwork for stuff that we don't care about. So while anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, like, with the prequels... We knew what was going to happen in the original trilogy, but it was interesting to see how we got there because we loved what was in the original trilogy. Like, you know, how did Darth Vader become the way he was, etc., etc. But because we don't give a shit about Snoke, who who cares? Who cares what the lead-up to that was and the reasons behind it and whatever else? It makes no sense for Palpatine to come back in Episode Nine. It makes no sense for him to be having this puppet figurehead in charge of his, you know reformed empire why is he just not doing it himself why is he keeping himself secret it just makes absolutely no sense the only saving grace i could say for disney is in terms of and this is going a little bit nerdy with the whole palpatine returning thing it is set up that you know the 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 best and the brightest of the empire flees into the unknown regions um with a view to sort of reforming and coming back at a later point in time I don't see why Palpatine would be wanting to do that unless he had some kind of scheme to return. That's the only sort of thread that I can hang my hat on and say, well, maybe they were trying to lay down the seat for him returning. But otherwise, it just makes no bloody sense. It's just dumb. So I don't think that... The other... Sorry, Dean. How did he finance it all? How did he finance that fleet of ships? Slaves. He's a great, great, great president of Bezos. (laughs) <laughs> he must have been he's very but persuasive like, I just feel like that amount of resources wouldn't wouldn't be missed even that far out like someone would or, or someone would have at some stage escaped or gone oh you know I was driving along the other day and guess what I saw thousands of ships so do you, <laughs> want, a, do you, want, a, do you want a fun fact about those ships um, the reason why they're all um, original trilogy era Star Destroyers is because that was the only high-res CGI Star Destroyer model Disney had available during the production cycle, and they reused the one from Rogue One. And so the Rogue, <laughs> oh, right. yeah, the Rogue One Star Destroyers are just literally copied and pasted a thousand times for Episode Nine. That's I thought you were awesome. going to say they had Logitech, you know, controllers. <laughs> Well, it kind of is run by like a Logitech controller because the whole concept is that they've got to get enough altitude to turn their shields yeah. on or some shit. Like it's, it's just yeah, it's just they can't navigate above oh, the planet. Oh it's... god, episode nine was so bad. I just want to rant about this for a second. Yeah, Sorry, this is just pure self indulgence. But fuck that movie. Like everything about <laughs> that film was just like apart from the fact that it was just Ryan Johnson and fucking JJ Abrams pissing on each other, but they're pissing on each other for like bad films. So it's not even like episode seven was that great. Episode seven is a very mediocre, safe movie. There's nothing about that film that was potentially good in retrospect because nothing led anywhere. And so you get this episode yeah. nine shit where, you know, you've got this completely ham-fisted relationship between Ray, Finn, and Poe, who have had like, I think Poe and Ray 
don't actually have any screen time together. So I don't think they're actually in the... I think maybe one scene at the end of episode seven. Yeah, and they, they get wink off. at each other and it hints yeah. they're going to fuck. That's and then, pretty much it. Yeah. yeah, and then I don't think they have any screen time in episode eight apart from, again, when they go on the Millennium Falcon at the end. And so you get to like episode nine and there's this whole like buddy-buddy friendship with this implied stuff that happened on all of the adventures in the last two years between eight and nine. But none of it makes any sense. And then you've got fucking like Finn's character that I swear to God they deliberately neutered because they didn't want to piss off China. And so you have this, what was actually quite a really interesting concept just became this bizarre fawning love interest for Ray who she wasn't interested in him. And then it's that weird Rose arc, which don't even get me started on Rose in episode eight. There's no defense for that character. And then you get to episode nine and then, you know, you, you like you literally have Ryan Johnson, I think, sorry, JJ uh, Abrams, I think three times stating that Rose needs to stay in the base because she's important <laughs> there. <laughs> so it's just like, it's just such a waste. Like it's so angry thinking about it. Sorry, that's my I get angry because there's, because those characters, they had no, they didn't even need to be in these films. Like they didn't need to be there. Uh, in in um in eight when they're when they're off into the the casino world oh no. gambling yeah, gambling. yeah but, okay yeah but the problem with hey, that scene back, kids, don't do that no 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 but the problem about that scene and this is where I, this is what pisses me off is because that's actually one of the best scenes in the entire like trilogies because it that scene is um what's his name Benicio del Toro trying to start discussing that there is gray in the good guys and the bad guys. And that there is this weird sort of military industrial complex that profits from this ongoing war. And so like I I, I don't get you wrong, but like Matt, it was terribly executed, but that's what like really annoys me about episode eight is that there were some really interesting kernels of ideas in that film. It just didn't fit with the broader story that they were trying to tell. But to be fair, nobody told Ryan Johnson what he needed to make. They basically just gave him a free hand. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've you've got a point there. I I mean, I I do agree. I do agree with you on the point of like you know, they said, yeah, go ham, do Star Wars. This is what we want. We want you to do Star Wars. Um, but at the same token, like they introduced a whole bunch of characters that just didn't even need to be there. Like like you know, I I, I think they were just, just trying to fill quotes. Point. Oh, we got to put the we got to put the you know the random black guy. We got to put the you know, it, it 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 just felt so. You know, they were just trying to. Um, do an agenda of this is the, we're going to make everybody happy and i'm just like just make a good movie like how hard it doesn't matter who you put as the role it's just just make a damn good movie um, I mean, instead of instead of trying to fit quotes and, and that's where that's where rogue one comes in it's been touched on before and we've talked negatives we haven't talked about the one movie that everyone even the trekkie agrees is a very good movie is rogue one um like solo some people liked it some people didn't like it um and we we all know the people who say they love seven, eight, nine, just garbage people. But <laughs> general people will say that Rogue One was great and it's the best one they've produced in the past, you know, ten years by far. And the reason it was good, in my opinion anyway, is that they introduced a whole bunch of new characters. They developed each and every character that they introduced and then they brought a little bit of the previous stuff in for nostalgia. State. So we didn't see a heap of Darth Vader. We had a minute at the end. We didn't see, you know, Anakin didn't somehow rock up or, uh, sorry, um, that was Vader. Uh, Obi-Wan didn't rock up 
and do something for some reason or you know it was new characters that have been well fleshed out and a storyline that someone actually thought about for longer than 10 minutes and then that filled a gap we knew something happened you know in between episode three and four um, sorry, what was it four and five? It was in between. That's no, in between three, three and four. And four. It's, three a, four. It's, yeah. it's referenced in the opening yeah. scroll of episode four. So it's based yeah. off the first paragraph in the opening scroll. Yeah. So so they filled in a gap in between three and four. And that's what those those extra movies should be doing. They should be fleshing out the same way that the Clone Wars TV show fleshed out between two and three. We got a heap of canon in between those movies. There was a whole war that we don't have canon about if that didn't happen. Um, and that's what those smaller movies should be doing, and that's what Rogue One did. It hit it out of the absolute park. It 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 got me excited about Episode Eight. So I saw Episode Seven and went, "Well, that wasn't great, but it's going to lead to a lot of things." It was like a palate cleanse, and let's move into the next thing. Then Rogue One, this is this is really exciting, and then we had Eight, and then okay. that happened. All right. So while we're talking <laughs> about Rogue One, let's talk about let's talk about Andor then. Um, because I think Andor's worth a few minutes of discussion. Have we all seen that? So curiosity. No, no, but it's fine. You can okay, say whatever cool. you want. Um, I've seen Andor. Okay, so no, no spoilers for. Uh, I won't spoil Andor per se because it's a prequel to Rogue One, which is a prequel to Four. So there's there's nothing in it that's really, you know, there's there's nothing in it that's really spoiler territory, other than like saying that it is like in my opinion objectively the best live action star wars ever created um and um that's and for me rogue one was the best but i think andor is a level above rogue one in terms of its execution um and what I, and this is why i kind of think matt why i don't think that's, that disney is necessarily using Star Wars as a cash grab is because andor is also the most expensive disney plus show start around star wars way more expensive than the mandalorian series and andor barely squeaked by when it came to um, viewing numbers and the fact that we're getting a season two of Andor I personally think is only because of the sort of the critical acclaim that it's received but what Andor does extremely well is that it you know Star, okay, Star Wars works conceptually and I'm going to quote Dave Filoni here and Lucas but Star Wars stories work when they're not Star Wars stories so the idea around a good Star Wars story is that it could be just a, a general human story and it's set in the star wars universe and so and so everything that we like about star wars is you could transplant it to a different period or a different genre and the story would still work where i think that seven eight and nine have been complete failures is because those are purely star wars stories that only work in the star wars universe within the star wars canon and so what andor does incredibly well is that it has um three main arcs each arc is roughly three to four episodes. And within those arcs, they're telling self-contained stories that lead into the next arc with an over-narrative, but they're entirely self-contained for the purpose of um, Cassian's experiences. And it's dark. And so the whole concept of it is, is that it's you know good guys being evil in order to fight evil. You know, that's sort of the the undercurrent of the show. And like I know, um, you know Dean, you're, you're a bit critical of it to begin with, but... I, where I think that you know where I where I get really upset and why I get so frustrated about Star Wars is because Andor demonstrates that there is such a capability to produce good content like the the ingredients are there the talents there the money's definitely there and so every time they produce a Jack Black Lizzo 
episode of Mandalorian. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. And then you compare that to that just beautiful, beautiful scene of Skarsgård on the bridge talking about what he sacrificed. And it's just, oh, God, my soul breaks. And I know it's melodramatic, but it's just, it's so, it just makes me so angry. <laughs> what? I, 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 Andor grew on me. Like, I, I had to, I had to force myself through the first half of it to then get the payoff on the on, on the back end. Yep. Um, so I, I will admit I wasn't overly keen, and I stopped watching until I um, sort of summoned up the effort to, to get back into it. But then by the time I finished it, I, I agreed that it was good. I liked it in the end. Um, there was just a, a lot of setting up getting done, which is something that I want to see in Star Wars. I want them to develop characters. I want them to set worlds up and set things up. So I, I shouldn't have given up so so quickly. Um, but I, I guess I, I was uh, sort of comparing it too much to The Mandalorian where there is an overarching plot, but every episode he does a side quest. So you finish it and you go, oh, I feel like I watched something and it ended. Like that was a little movie. That was great. And then you're excited for the next one because there's an overall plot, but he keeps doing all these side quests so you get like a, a resolution. Whereas in with Andor, even when you got the end there was no resolution like it's it's ongoing there's a season two and like nothing has resolved and that's not a bad thing but it's just what i was comparing it to when i started watching it um and then mando 3 came out and lizzo got involved and i was like why 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 am i hoping for that why am i enjoying this this is pretty good um so that short sharp uh, they went too far with the short sharp catchy episodes with mando in season three um, they've, they're sort of throwing away the, the arc concept and in, in my eyes in, in that um, and they've gone to flashy flashy crap um, but yeah, no, Andor was a slow burn it was a good burn well, I mean the reason why Mando worked for me for the first two seasons anyway, well, I mean I haven't seen the third one yet um, was you know they had character development and, and, and the characters you actually felt something for 7, 8, 9, I couldn't care if any of them got, got killed just, just stop at season two. Just hold on to that. Do what Rowan did. He, he had the right idea. It might have been unintentional, but it was the right idea. Just stop at season yeah, two, Mando, and don't put yourself through fucking season three because that was bad, Matt. <laughs> so bad. Okay, Unless you really like Katie Sackoff, in which case watch. It. Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, if you do really like Katie Sackoff, then by all means keep watching it because that was generally that was the only thing keeping me going for that season was she. Her. She was really good. I mean, she was she was wonderful. Um, in the first season of Mando, she was such a great character. Um, Except that she never much wanted to see her go. But I, I do want to sort of talk about Obi Wan though. Um, oh, yeah, oh. yeah, good. That's exactly why I want to talk about Obi Wan's for that reaction. So, yeah, I want to just—I just want to point out by saying that Obi Wan was originally meant to be an anthology film, and so it was—it was originally launched as a one, you know, standalone film for for that, and then Disney Plus decided to give it the the Boba Fett treatment and turn it from a film into a mini series or to a six part series. Um, but I think that I think that um, Obi Wan shows the best and the worst of what Disney does with Star Wars in one product, um, because the there are sequences in the Obi Wan show which, are, in my opinion, are top tier triple A Star Wars content. That you know that final fight between Obi Wan and Darth Vader is 
phenomenal. I don't care what anyone has to say about the series. That final fight is absolutely phenomenal between those two characters. But on the other hand, but on the other hand, on the other hand, you have the weird. You like shaky cam lightsaber fights, do you? I do actually. I do. I I will. I do actually like it. Um, On the other hand, you have the Inquisitor arc, which was just a knockoff ripoff from the Star Wars Jedi Survivor game. Um, Then you have some of the worst child adult stunt coordination imaginable with the the Leia running sequence. Um, You have Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers doing like a Simpson-esque Star Wars cameo. Um, But then you also have... There's the ship within a ship within a ship. There's Darth Vader forgetting to use his powers that he used literally 30 seconds ago. But you also also have live-action clone troopers, which had never been seen before. And you had Dark Anakin Skywalker as well. So I'm I'm just saying like there there are things within that Obi Wan show which I think were phenomenal, which were clearly in the movie draft, but then they had to elongate it to six episodes, and then they in order to do that they needed to bring in filler, filler or they needed to bring in characters that just detracted from what should have been a very focused story about Obi-Wan overcoming his trauma and overcoming what he went through in order to find his confidence again to enter into that phase of his life. But yeah, I have thrown it out for discussion. Like, But Rowan, I'm yeah, like, have you seen it, Rowan? Oh, sorry. No, I haven't seen it, but it's making me think of other things to do with the, the film franchises and things like that. So I'm just going to revert back for one second. So... I, just because of how you were talking about the, the set pieces, so I will say that um, some of the set pieces in the newer movies have been phenomenal, even from a Trekkie's point of view. I'm like, that actually is pretty fucking cool. Like uh, when, I don't know who it is, but it's in the ship and she light speeds into the other ships and there's like a big lightning thing. That was a phenomenal uh, visual there. Um, and then even just which this may upset you guys, I don't know, but seeing Leia go from one ship to another ship using force powers, which I had no fucking idea that she had, but apparently according to my husband, it's in the canon. I'm like, whatever, but that was fucking cool. Um, but in saying that, like the, the visuals that Star Wars does, I don't think any other franchise could do, which is what I like about it. Um, just because it is such a, a big galaxy, but everyone lives on the same fucking street, as I said earlier. Um, uh, also, it's sort yeah, of point out that the two things that you've just described as the best visuals in Star Wars are literally the two most controversial <laughs> sequences. Well, and, and I know the Leia thing is controversial. I know that. So is the Holdo Maneuver. The Holdo Maneuver is also controversial. What? Was, oh, that... Uh, yeah. that but it is thing? visually, it is gorgeous. I'm not going to argue. Visually, and that's visually what it was gorgeous. Visually, the set pieces are great, but I do feel that... Um, Star Wars currently has this thing of we're going from this set piece to this set piece to this set piece and they don't really have a story. They're just like, oh, we want to show this thing and then we want to show this. So we'll just do this and then this, which I think is kind of how you're talking about with what I'm getting from you talking about Obi-Wan is like you've got Anakin, you've got Darth Vader fight, you've got all these kind of set pieces that they want to show, yeah, but it doesn't really flow. doesn't really work. Yeah. And that's what I think about this, the last trilogy is that there are all these set pieces. There are all these big visuals that they want to do because, you know, they've got amazing CGI now, but the story just doesn't connect all these dots. Great. Just to, to add to your point, like, 
it should look good. It's Star Wars, right? Like, I, I mean, considering Episode Three was a like a CGI wasteland, um, the technology's come such a long way. It should look good. Like, like you know, they're pumping all this money into it. It, it needs to look good, um, and, it, and for the most part, it does. Um, but it's the you know, it's it's everything else that kind of lets it down. And now, you, and like the two bits you've talked about, are, as Reese said, very very controversial. Um, it. Yeah, it just it just makes you think like like they take two steps forward and like four giant steps back, you know, and 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 that's what that's what hurts that's what hurts Star Wars currently. Yeah, and I think that's like walking out of that, those movies on like how the hell did she go from that ship to that ship using her force powers? I have no fucking idea. Like I don't know, I know it kind of works. Like it's kind of like telekinesis type of shit, but like yeah, how? Yeah, that, she that... was frozen. I don't understand how, because <laughs> in in my worlds. Once you're out in space, you're fucked. Like, you, you can't come back from that. You, your eyes pop, you're dead. Sorry. And then to, to see that, I'm like, that was cool, but how the hell did that happen? So to me, it was a, this is a visual thing that we want to show you because this looks cool, but it doesn't really flow with the time, the story, kind of. Um, Alan, everyone hit, hit us. I would have rather watched a three-hour movie of Obi-Wan playing with himself in the desert than that six-episode tripe that Disney served up. It is the most idiotic, nonsensical, most poorly shot Star Wars content I have ever watched in my life. And I respectfully disagree with you. That last fight with Darth Vader has some good bits, but at other times I didn't, couldn't even see what the fuck was going on. It was like the Battle <laughs> of Winterfell in Game of Thrones, where I had no idea who was doing what at that time. That show is so stupid. There's no reason why Obi-Wan Kenobi needs to go on a mission to rescue Princess Leia. Obi-Wan in my head was literally on Tatooine waiting for A New Hope to start. That's okay. my head headcanon. Okay. That movie, right. th- that series has no place in the overall Star Wars story. I'm sorry. Okay, all right. No, that's 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 fair. And let's let's throw out a couple of things here. It's the lowest budget Star Wars property on Disney Plus. And it shows. And it shows, and it completely is. And the fact that the budget is so low is insulting, considering that it's the sequel to character. it's the sequel to Revenge of the Sith that I never thought would exist. So it's the sequel to the prequels that we grew up on that that was never – I never thought we'd see that again. There are concepts within the show which, yes, are poorly executed, but they make sense. And the idea of Obi-Wan – the only reason why Obi-Wan is leaving Tatooine is for Leia because I could not think of any other reason why that character would leave Tatooine and it makes sense with how Leia actually knows who Obi-Wan is down the line. And so it fills up a, it fills up a very specific plot hole from episode four. The pro- what plot hole? She doesn't know him in episode four. She no. just says, yeah, you hung out with my dad and he says you're a pretty cool guy, so maybe you should help me out. There is no connection between the no, two. No, but it's why he goes to her because it's a continuation of the parental relationship and the paternal relationship he develops for her in that series. And so he leaves to go rescue his surrogate daughter again. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's brilliantly executed, but they they attempted to do stuff in Obi-Wan that I didn't think we would ever see like I didn't think we'd see that again. And that's not to excuse the flaws of it, but you've got arguably one of the best lightsaber duels in Star Wars 
Like I would put that that final duel between Anakin and Obi Wan. Firstly, it's better than any of the duels from the sequel trilogy. So don't get me don't get me started on that. It's better than any yeah, of the sequel right. trilogy duels, and I would argue it's up there with anything from the prequel trilogy in terms of this what it actually achieves with showing Obi Wan as completely badass because that is him at his absolute pinnacle pummeling the shit out of Vader. And what the show does really well is it shows Vader being effectively like uber level bad and powerful. He completely destroys that Sith Inquisitor without effortlessly trying. And then he gets his ass handed to him by Obi-Wan. And so it actually does a good example of showing just how powerful Obi-Wan truly is because Obi-Wan is also holding back in Revenge of the Sith because Obi-Wan is still trying to save Anakin during that fight. It's only right at the end when Obi-Wan is actually prepared to kill Anakin with the high ground scene. And so you finally get to see just how powerful Obi-Wan truly is in live action, which for all the faults of the series, that's worth sitting through six episodes to get up to. However... I just watched the final fight. Yeah, no, by all means, go onto YouTube and watch it. I've watched it dozens (laughs) of times in 4K. It's beautiful. Um, 4K HDR, it's stunning. But this is this is what I'm sort of trying to get at with where I, why I think that Disney is doing some of the best and some of the worst of Star Wars is because in my opinion Obi Wan has some of the best Star Wars. It gave us a, another opportunity to see these characters again, which I didn't think we would ever get. Like I genuinely did not think we'd ever see live action Hayden Christensen again. Like that was completely, I didn't think it would happen. And so Disney's given us the beauty of revisiting stuff that was quite you know important during you know our sort of developing years with star wars but at the same token they hand fist all of this other shit into it that's completely unnecessary and poorly executed which is why i find it so frustrating hey christensen was in it granted i loved it as well but the motherfucker looked 50 firstly that's because he basically is 50 i know but like in terms of the face technology stuff i was taken out of that scene where it was the flashback fight with anakin because uh, with obi-wan because i'm like dude this guy looks like he's like undercover like yeah, he looks like Matthew McConaughey hanging out with high school students. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, that's because there's no fucking budget for this trilogy, well, like, for the series. Yeah. So that's yeah, the thing. Like they, they didn't want to use the face makeup because it was like they didn't have the yeah. fucking budget to do it. Sorry, but, Dean. Like from, from what I, oh, sorry, sorry, Dean. I'm gonna rant. Um, from what oh, I yeah. was reading before that show came out, we were meant to get flashbacks, a lot more flashback sequences, and I get this is probably a budget thing. But we were meant to have flashbacks back to the actual Clone Wars with yeah. Obi Wan and Anakin fighting side by side, which would have fleshed out their relationship a lot more. We, we literally got one scene that went for ten minutes in the one low static location, where Obi Wan teaches Anakin a lesson about why he's always got a desire for victory, and that's going to be his downfall. Like, uh, so I hear what you were saying uh, again. Like, it was a good concept, but just the way it was executed was terrible. All right, so just some spoilers for Ahsoka. Those scenes have been repurposed for Ahsoka. So we are going to get live-action flashback scenes, um, but that's going to be in the Ahsoka, trilogy, in the Ahsoka series. But we'll, we'll get to Ahsoka shortly. I'm in the next segment. But I don't disagree with you, Alan. I completely agree. It's just it's really highs and massive lows for that, tri- for that particular show. Massive lows. No, I'm not disagreeing with like, that. I'm not. Yeah. But, but you, like the, the lows outweigh the highs for me. Like if if there's any, yeah. 
property that I agree with Matt's assessment of. It was a cash grab. To me, Obi-Wan was a cash grab. Like, fuck it, we'll get Anakin, we'll get Obi-Wan, we'll put him in a show together, they'll have a fight. The cunts will love it. They'll all go and watch it because no. they love those two characters. No, no. See, this is where, I, again, I'm going to, sorry, Dean, I'm, apologies, man. This, this is going to be a wild discussion, so the moderating <laughs> is not as strong as we have done in previous episodes. But no, fuck that. I'm going to point something out here. This is the issue with Disney Plus and streaming services because this is only a cash grab in the sense that Disney wanted you to have three months worth of subscription yeah. in order to watch the entirety of that series. And so I completely agree with you that there's a cash grab element, but I don't think there was a cash grab element from a creative perspective. I think it was from a commercial perspective that was limited by the streaming format. That's fair. I'd accept that. Sorry, Dean. The, no, you're right. The, the two things that I liked in that series was, first of all, the flashback bits. I agree they weren't done well, but I still enjoyed them. Uh, it was good to see Hayden Christensen back. The other thing I liked is when Obi-Wan saw the old clone trooper with a beard begging for money. I thought that was a poignant to include that, yeah, a lot of them were terminated. That's the canon, but there would have been others that weren't. Um, and what happened to them? And the fact that Obi-Wan, like it, it, it sort of struck home to me, you know, he fought with these people through the Clone Wars, um, you know, with the, with the boys. And then yeah, they were sort of just tossed aside. Sorry. This is just another example of how stupid Disney, though, is. That clone trooper, and they had Tamara, Tamara, Tamara Morrison back. That was great. He was a 501st Legion clone trooper, that one he was talking to, which was Anakin's um, platoon or battalion, or whatever you want to call them. Why not make it a 212th trooper, which was Obi-Wan's? Obi-Wan's. Like, that would have made that scene so much more poignant. But, like... Yeah, but I, no, I get that, but... <laughs> That, that's where also I think you're, you're starting to go a little bit too deep into the Star Wars canon where I don't think that the live action will ever go that deep. It's the same reason why Katie Sackhoff never references her sister in the two seasons of, or three seasons of Mandalorian. Um, oh, sorry, two seasons that she's in. Um, sorry, Ron, does she? No, no, oh, I was sorry. just like, what the fuck is this about? I have, you've totally lost me. Okay, exactly. That's the point. So, okay, so Katie Sackoff from Mando, so whatever her name is, um, what, fuck, what's her character's Bo-Katan. name? Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. Her sister, Sabine, was Obi-Wan's girlfriend. And so in, yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Rowan. This is this is from a Trekkie. So this is a really good litmus test right now of why Star Wars. Like, going too far, guys, going too far, just... Go back up a level. Okay, so <laughs> in, the, in the Clone Wars series, you have the Mandalorian arc with has um, basically it's Sabine fighting against um, what, what's the house called, Alan? Um, it's it's basically the Death Watch house that precedes Death Watch. Um, Sabine is sort of like a moderate uh, Mandalorian, and Bo-Katan is more of an extremist. Now, Bo-Katan becomes more centered after Sabine is murdered by Darth Maul, and Maul does that basically to get to Obi Wan. So, and Obi-Wan was prepared to leave the Jedi Order for Sabine and there's this sort of like inference that because when he was stationed there as a Padawan, they had a relationship and then it's kind of based off, ironically, it's actually kind of based off legitimate old canon um, and then they sort of grabbed legitimate old canon and then they kind of retroactively changed it to fit it into the Clone Wars. So it's quite an old concept canonically with, with the Obi-Wan character. But 
going back to Alan's point, the reason why they didn't use his his you know his battalion is because the only time you actually see clone troopers really doing anything is in the 501st armor with that distinctive blue. And so by having a 501st soldier asking a Jedi for money, that kind of works cinematically without it becoming completely obscure with, well, you know, and also there's that risk of would that person potentially recognize Obi-Wan as well too. So I, I kind of get what they did there, but they just, they could have done better. <laughs> point you make there about you know they shouldn't go too deep that that's the issue that i have with the whole thing is they haven't gone deep enough and that's the issue i think that matt's raised at the start is that instead of going that extra layer going deeper and following the canon following what's been done before and not annoying it um like sorry and not um not, not following what's been done and, and building on it they've alienated the previous fans okay so all right let's sticking with what we know is true and what we know is correct they've sort of gone in a a different direction or overwritten things that we liked or missed things you know she hasn't brought her sister up at all what's the harm in you know in in mentioning sabine at one point we all know who sabine is we'd all get a little kick out of it if she mentioned her sister um at some point and it's not going to alienate any new fans they're going to go i wonder who sabine is google it work it out oh it's in the clone wars they might get onto the clone wars and start watching that okay you know, it's, it doesn't so, hurt anyone of the old stuff it actually makes the current fan base happy and then it grows the new fan base into the old stuff okay but this comes back to what i was saying before about snoke which is that the fans have got a, a greater respect and a better understanding of the properties than a lot of the creators do and you do but what i want to do now is actually dovetail into ahsoka because I think that the Ahsoka series is kind of the closest that we're going to get. So just for some for some context, um, Ahsoka uh, started off in the Clone Wars, um, Rowan. So she's in six seasons of the Clone Wars, yeah. and her character the one with the, the, yeah, the, 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 the tendril, the, the Twilly. Yeah, the Twilly. Oh, not, she's not technically a Twilly. She's um. Torgata. Thank you, Torgata. Yep. Uh, yep. I do know a little bit about Clone Wars because my husband did watch it. Yep act like religiously so i know a little i've walked past it seen it so i too i do kind of know it a little bit so so we're good with this one all right cool so just 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 broadly just for the the segment um ahsoka starts off being an insufferable brat basically in her first few episodes she's literally just like a kiddie cartoon annoying jedi padawan and then over the course of the series dave filoni and and george lucas to to be fair revive revised the character to becoming one of the most sort of complex characters in star wars she then survives the disney canon purge by um being brought back again in rebels and so she's now the first character to jump across animated mediums and so she bridges rebels with clone wars and then she's the first animated character of prominence to get a live action treatment in mandalorian now yes bo-katan did technically come first, but Ahsoka is a far more important character than Bo-Katan. And so when we start looking at this Ahsoka series, this is kind of Disney's compromise with giving us that really deep lore because even less you've watched any of those other properties, like if you've only watched the mainline films, you'd have no idea that Ahsoka was Anakin's Padawan because she was effectively retconned into the, the sequel trilogy. Um, sorry, the prequel trilogy. 
So yeah, I just wouldn't mind just having a bit of a discussion about sort of, you know, what we think the Ahsoka series is going to be like and whether or not this might be something that actually redeems Star Wars after, you know, Mandalorian and some of the last failures that they've had in this part of the universe, which is this post-sequel narrative. Sorry, post-original trilogy narrative. Yeah, it's called Ahsoka, but basically it's just Rebels live action season five. Or, season five that or, it would be. No, technically it's, yeah, air, to, technically it's air to the Empire book. It's well, called, yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting Ezra, we're getting... Um, Sabine. Oh, Sabine, we're getting we're getting all of the, the, the gang back together, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think it is a capitulation by Disney that, oh, maybe we were wrong to basically scrap the old canon in some way. So we're bringing back Thrawn as a villain. We're bringing back the Empire as posing a threat. What I'm going to find interesting is, like, this is the period where Luke, Han, and Leia would still be sort of at the peak of their powers. So how are we going to have this, I'm presuming, galaxy-wide conflict with the research and the Empire? We're not going to have the main characters in it? Or if they are going to be in it, maybe it'll just be a cameo or a de-aging thing or sort of... I'm intrigued to see how they handle that aspect of it because I don't think you can't not include them in that sort of setup if that's what's going to happen. Um, but I think this is, yeah, Disney sort of throwing some member berries at us and hoping that, you know, we enjoy the content. Um, well, Ahsoka wasn't... She, she didn't get into the rebellion. Like, she wasn't a... She wasn't like, oh, yeah, cool, right, let, I'll get into this, I'll become a Jedi again and, and get yeah, into she the... Did. Yeah, she was one of the founders of the rebellion. So she's um she's one of the initial... Uh, she's one of the initial recruits. So canonically, she gets recruited by Bail Organa about three years in after Revenge of the Sith, and she becomes Fulcrum, um, who effectively goes around and manages rebel cells. So she she does become quite high up in the rebellion. Like she's in that upper echelon. Of it's through cartoon. Uh, it's through well, so the, well, no, no. So this is through Star Wars Rebels, and then they've also done an episode specifically with that um those flash uh, those uh what's it called um the one that came out last year in Disney plus the, um, the vinaigrette episodes. So there's a specific, uh, yeah. there's a specific sort of clone war style episode about her getting recruited by Bail Organa. Okay. I, was, I haven't seen uh, that. I think it is. Yeah. Isn't yeah, it Rebels? She didn't seem overly... Yeah. Well, she gets introduced. In she, was, like... she was just there to provide yeah. Intel to the gang. And that was, no, she was their handler. So she gets introduced and in, cause they, she gets alluded to in season one of rebels as fulcrum. Um, so they keep re- so um, Hera keeps referring to Fulcrum being who they report to in their rebel cell, and then when they're getting chased by the Empire, and I think it's the last episode of season one, um, Fulcrum saves them, and then it appears that Ahsoka is Fulcrum, um, and then sort of what she does in season two is sort of coordinating the rebel cells, but she does disappear from rebels after the end of season two. How are we going to explain the fact that she had no interaction with Luke whatsoever until Mandalorian, basically? Mandalorian. Well, that really depends on when the Ahsoka series is actually set, Alan. Yeah, but you're saying that she was up in the upper echelons of the Rebellion, unless you're saying that after she had that fight with Vader, she just disappears for a bit. That's it. There's a big gap in in her timeline, um, which, I, I mean, to be fair, I think that season of Rebels is kind of like three or four bby like it's sort of yeah it's getting it's towards it's getting yeah. it's getting nearly there 
Um, so I don't really know what's kind of happened with her. Well, I think one of the prevailing theories is that she goes into the world between worlds, um, which um, for reference, Rowan, Star Wars's multiverse is called the world between world, which is kind of explored canonically in Rebels, which is effectively the ability to see different sort of timelines and different events. And so one of the big sort of conspiracy theories is that if Star Wars continues to implode in its current trajectory at a higher level, at a cinematic level, that they're just going to sort of use the world in between worlds to basically change the timeline so that they just kind of effectively disregard 7, 8, and 9 and what's going to happen after that. So they did Star Wars literally built their own get out of jail free card within the canon in case things get too bad. <laughs> it's actually like, it's actually kind of impressive. Ahsoka could have just been on parental leave for a bit. <laughs> I think this is the, the where yeah. I kind of like like for me looking at Ahsoka from the outside, not really knowing much about it. Though I'm kind of interested in it yeah. because I don't know. I know a little bit about her, but I'm not fully into the Star Wars universe as you guys know. Her, um, so this kind of interests me as to, I know she was um, Anakin's uh, apprentice. Like, I, I know that. That's all I know, right? But, like, I know she dual wields lightsabers, which I don't really, we really see much of. Um, I don't, is she the first? I don't know. But yeah. So I cut, this one kind of interests me. Um, there's a couple of others that I'm also interested in because they're not, they're set before and after the movies as well. Um, which I don't know if you're going to mention those, Reese, or not, but um, those ones kind of interest me. Well, so I might, it'll be interesting to see. I might just talk then about the the um because we're sort of coming up to the 90 minute mark. So I might just start talking about the future properties that are lined up for Star Wars. So in 2023, we've got Ahsoka and we've got Skeleton Crew. Um, I, I don't know when Skeleton Crew was set though. Sorry, I should have double checked that. Um, 2024. Like the Jude Law one. Yeah, the Jude Law one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I think Skeleton Crew. I, I don't know much about it. To be fair, I kind of haven't really paid much attention to it. I I honestly thought it was going to be cancelled. Sorry, Ron. You have a. So I know. I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us. So this one um, is about uh, kids that are from a, a planet far, far away, on a different street, um, and they are uh, the travels basically. Um, so. I don't know how Jude Law is going to fit into it because I actually like Jude Law as an actor, so that's going to be interesting to see yeah. what he does, um, or whether or not he's going to be like some overbearing um, child slave type thing because that kind of happens in your universe. Um, so if, is he going to be one of those people or is he going to help them? I don't know. But to me, because it's set kind of away from everything else, again, this is one that interests me because well, I like the... Sorry, yeah. go. It's about a heist and Coruscant, isn't it? That I haven't read. Okay. I just know it's about these children from a planet that's far away and they are involved in the travels yeah. and do something. It is in the... It's post-Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. So, it's in so the, that's it's in kind the... of in the middle-ish. Yeah. Is that, that's right, yes, I, after six. I think it's or meant five. to be happening in the same timeline as the Mandoverse. So I think it's, it's, it's roughly in that sort of time, that time window of what they're doing. Right. Um... Yeah, so that I mean that's what I know. Like it's, I don't know too much, but I'm kind of like, oh, this is not going to be in the mainstream main line. Yeah. Hopefully, if it's going to be like the first two seasons of Mando, yay, because it's kind of separate and yep. builds the universe out a bit more than just focusing on that primary bit. But yeah, I think it'll be quite good. I hope it'll be quite good. I know, but Jude Law's always always good. 
Um, so then next year we've got Andor season two. Um, and then we have a show called The Acolyte, which um, is set um, during the High Republic era um, and effectively follows a, um, a Sith apprentice is kind of the concept of the show. Um, it's also possible it's just been cancelled. So I did see something in the last 24 hours that it, it may not be happening anymore. Um, and there was a little bit of controversy around the Acolyte because the showrunner that they brought in to actually run the show, they ended up firing and then she sued Disney because they fired <laughs> her. And then Disney paid her $5,000 in compensation when she asked for $5 million. Um, and that $5,000 in compensation was to assist with her moving costs. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, so there was that. And then that's it. So there is there is currently no other live action Star Wars property that has a release date associated to it. Now there are three new movies that have been announced. Um that no release date. And so the first one is obviously the new Ray Skywalker slash Palpatine film, um, which is the sequel to episode nine that's meant to take place, I think, 10 years after episode nine, and it's effectively her rebuilding the Jedi Order. Um, the rumor around this one is that Grogu is going to be a part of that film, so tying the Mandoverse into the Daisy Ridley-verse, as it were. Um, and it's meant to be her rebuilding the Jedi Order using the text from Luke, um, and that's, that's it. That's all we know about it. There's then the Dave Filoni, uh, Filoni Star Wars film, which is, we'll just call it Heir to the Empire, um, which is effectively the culmination of the Mandoverse, which is the Kevin Feige produced element within Star Wars. Um, that doesn't have a date yet, but the, the guess is that's probably going to be in the next three years and it's going to most likely depend on how well Ahsoka does because if Ahsoka does well, I'm sure there'll be a season two of Ahsoka before this movie will kick off. And then the last one that's been announced is the James Mangold Star Wars film, which is about the origin of the Jedi. Um, and that's set several thousand years in the past and it's meant to kind of be sort of like a biblical epic about the first Jedi. Now... That's, ter that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That, that's exciting to me. That It does actually... That needs to be good. Yeah. It needs it, to be very, very good. Like yeah. It can't be one of the ones they half ass do because that it, that's real canon. Like that's setting yeah. up... That, that's the foundation of everything that yeah. we like. Now, so if they stuff that up, we've got a problem. No, that's okay. It's entirely possible they won't stuff that up because the chances of any of these movies seeing the light of day are <laughs> next to none. <laughs> so, so I just want to quickly recap, just, just for some context here. This is, and this is not all of them. These are just the ones that I quickly double-checked when I was doing this earlier. So far, the cancelled Star Wars films. So this is not TV shows. This is just film. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Cancelled Star Wars live action properties. The Ryan Johnson trilogy. That's fucking gone. There was the Rangers of the New Republic show. That's gone. You had Star Wars Episode Nine by Colin Trevorrow. That completely disappeared. You had the David Benioff and D.B. Weiss Star Wars <laughs> film, which was meant to also be a trilogy of films. That coincidentally disappeared at approximately the same time as the Game of Thrones season eight finale. You, you then mean had the one they wrote? yes, yes. You then had the Rogue Squadron film, which is what we were discussing at the start of this episode, which had a whole Patty Jenkins trailer that was made for it, sort of proof of concept, highlighting what the film was going to be about. Dead. 
And then you also have the Kevin Feige Star Wars film, which is also apparently dead. Um, and the bonus one is the, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, shit, I'm mind blanking. What's the guy's name? I just said it. Uh, the John Favreau Star Wars film is also apparently dead, but that could actually end up being the film that they gave to uh, Dave Filoni. So I'm going to sort of put that one as half dead. They haven't quite killed isn't, it. Isn't there also a Taika Waititi film somewhere? That's not cancelled. Yes. That is due to come out at a yet unreleased release date. And right. that movie what may or may not come out, um, <laughs> but they haven't called it dead. They just haven't confirmed if it's still happening. The uh, Star Wars movie for Disney Plus called Droid Story. Is that? With a release. It's to be determined when it's going to be released. Oh, okay. It's about um, R2-D2 and 3CPO epic journey. And you know what? I used to I used to hate the 3PO guy. I thought he was an absolute wanker. But at this point, I'm like, you know what? At least you're consistent. You know, let's just <laughs> just keep working until you're dead because realistically, all they're going to do is use your voice and just keep that character going <laughs> down the line with AI voice like they did with um, the Darth Vader dude because he hasn't uttered a Darth Vader phrase in like 20 years. <laughs> James Earl Jones. Yeah, that's all that stuff is. Um, that's James Earl Jones. Yeah, so that's all like all his stuff is like voice, like AI now. He actually doesn't do any of it. So he effect he literally lost the right to use his voice from Disney. I thought he signed it over. He gave him the rights to his voice. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he he did. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were going to do it. I'm sure that they were. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he was very compliant. So either they do it while he's alive, or they do it when he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> So we um, winning a fight, Vader or Mufasa? That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that movie, Dan. I'd watch that movie. So we're kind of coming up to sort of, well, we're past the ninety-minute mark now, so we might we might look at sort of wrapping up a little bit. But I mean, the, do these future properties are, are we excited for any of it? Like, do we have any? I mean, I suppose as Star Wars fans, do we have any any faith that? we're going to consistently get good Star Wars or are we just going to start to get diminishing returns? Because I, I just want to make one other point. Sorry, just, sorry, Dean, one other point. Because these films are not making money and these Disney Plus shows are not getting viewers. And so I think we also need to be really aware that Star Wars, and Marvel's the same, to be fair. It's not as bad as Marvel is at the moment. But Disney is not getting value of money from star wars right now arguably they're not getting it from anything that they're doing but notably star wars is not giving the returns that disney was hoping for i have the most hope for ahsoka because mm. she's a really good character yeah she's been built really well through the clone wars they were clever in the last season to explain why she wasn't in episode three um you know you you you, you d- brought this character in that Obi-Wan and Anakin were really close to, and then you obviously had the third movie and she was not even mentioned. So how does that work? But the fact that, you know, she was accused of something and then stepped away from the Jedi herself um, was a was really clever arc. I thought that was really, really smart because um, it keeps her intact as a character. They haven't killed her off cheaply or anything like that. They've kept her around. She's still a good, you know, person with a, with a good heart. And then they brought her back through more and explained how she, you know, survived Order 66. So I thought all of that was really, really clever. And that was in the Disney era that season. So Disney have done well with that. And they did a reasonable job with Bad Batch, just on that. Just, I know we haven't talked about Bad Batch, and I'm not trying to go into it, but they, they did a reasonable job with Bad Batch as well. 
Um, so anyway, the, the fact that her character is well rounded out, we all like her as far as, you know, the, the true fans are, are, were really into the Clone Wars and really liked her character development. So they have a really good opportunity to continue that. And if they continue the, the, the core sort of attributes of Ahsoka, it'll be a really good season. If they try to Jack Black Lizzo it up, we'll have a problem. But if they keep true to form, um, then I'm really looking forward to that season. But it's probably the last one. Like I'll watch Andor season two when that comes out. Um, but but if Soka's bad, I can't see myself getting into the next series again. Yeah, this, this will be sort of the Boba Fett which started good and then they had cafe races with different coloured scooters. Fuck, you know, like it went to shit. And then Mando season three is now Lizzo Blackjack gone to shit. Um, so I'm starting to get to the point where I don't want to get something built up and then it go to shit again. So if Ahsoka doesn't work out... If they do another one, I'm probably not going to get into it. You know, that's that, I didn't get into the Lord of the Rings, um, Rings of Power. <laughs> We're I couldn't not, do that. Uh, I could not do that. You know, I, I was having a conversation with Brendan about the Rings of Power when we were sort of conceptualizing this podcast, and I kind of vowed that I would not do an episode of that one because it would just be like an hour and a half of me just ranting solidly about how fucking horrible that show was. So thank God Star Wars is not at Rings of Power level yet. I haven't watched a minute. I, I read the concept about it and then went, no, nah, I can't touch that because it's going to upset me about all of Lord of the Rings. Like, for a completely separate thing, I can't watch uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine anymore because the last season killed the rest of it for me. Yeah, like, they actually betrayed got, the yeah, characters. That BL, yeah, they betrayed the characters yeah. so much. Um, like, what did um, Rose turn into? Are you kidding me? And Jake, like, he's the the worst cop in the world after being the best cop for seven years. You know what I'm like? Anyway, I'm not going to go into that, but, but there's this, I'm now at the point where I'm, I protect myself from hating a whole franchise by not watching things. And Ahsoka is probably the last opportunity I'm giving Star Wars before I, I, I turn away. So I still enjoy the early stuff. That's the last opportunity I'm going to give it. So. Yeah. What are your, what are your closing thoughts, right, Matt? Uh, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, second with things I just said then, like I'm, I'm going to give it a, a one last crack. Um, so it lets me down again. I'm, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could forgive it. Uh, it, it's, it, it's like I'm in an abusive relationship and, and, and I, I just, you know, I'm, it, it's going it, to, I swear they're going to be good to me eventually. Um, and, but you know, I, this is the last kind of, kind of straw for me. Uh, I want to give this a red hot crack. Um, Hoping it's good, really, really am. Um, like I, as, as I said to you guys, I haven't seen season three of Mando. Um, and while you while you guys were discussing, I, I quickly jumped on YouTube just to see the uh, the um, Jack Black and was it Lizzo? Is, is it yeah, Lizzo? In, in Lizzo it? Yeah. What were they thinking? Like, what was that? Yeah. Um. So I, 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 I couldn't believe. I, 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 I thought you guys were joking. I didn't. I didn't realize. Um. Because everyone said it's, it's terrible. Don't watch. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll keep dude, it we didn't even mention Doc Brown from Back to the Future is also in that episode, being a a separatist leaning scientist that glorified Count Dooku, and then he literally evaporates from the screen 
And so, <laughs> he, like, Rowan, no, no shit, he's talking in the room and then he gets reprimanded and arrested and they move him sort of behind, like, still in the frame, but behind, like, um, Mando and Bo-Katan. And then they cut to Jack Black and Lizzo and then they cut back and he's just gone. Like, he just <laughs> <laughs> evaporates from the screen. He went back in time to fix his mistake, obviously. Oh. Uh, Rowan, as a as a Trekkie, I know you've been uh, you've been a great sport tonight. Thank you. Um, but as a as a Trekkie, I know clearly like Star Wars is not as close to your heart as us grown men crying over <laughs> the properties at the moment. And I would love to do an episode on Star Trek because if you know, if Star Wars fans have resilience, then Star Trek fans are stoic by comparison. Because <laughs> the uh, the worst Star Wars is nowhere near as bad as the worst Star Trek. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah and I, I i would echo that point like the amount of reboots that uh my two favorite my two series have gone through so um and soft reboots so looking at sg1 versus atlantis versus sgu which you know they've all got their own place um and just surprisingly just fyi in case you were interested there is talk of a reboot season coming which i would quite interested in because they're going to tie all three together which i don't know how the fuck they're going to do that but yeah, anyway but haven't they been talking about that for a decade like i'm pretty sure no that's... it's uh the last few weeks have been very Ooh, okay okay so there's some traction. yeah yeah there's some very big big tracks being made in the last yeah. few weeks um like i'm as i say i'm excited for the stuff that's not really in the universe of like it's in the universe but not in that not number five down the road like i want the next street over type stuff so the acolyte kind of interests me as well that's kind of um, where it's like, uh, you know, when the, the Sith are starting to appear, that would be cool. Because um, I, you know, don't really understand. Have they always been there? Are they just started to appear in the last few centuries or whatever it might be? Um, but until you guys go through reboot, you know, you got nothing on me. <laughs> so we've had that, that many reboots in our uh, timelines and having different timelines as well. Like, I get why that, you know, you have your other alternate timelines in Star Wars as well, in case they do hit the big reset button. At least there's something there for you to hopefully go back to. Um, you know, hopefully they don't do a discovery and try and bring everything in to the one timeline like they did with Star Trek. But in saying that, I did like Discovery because um, I'm a sucker for punishment. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, it, it goes part and parcel with anyone that likes sci-fi. You know, if you like a big epic series you're always going to have that um aspect of it's not going to live up to your expectations or hype so i tend to go into all of those projects now where i just like it's going to be shit and if my expectations are it's going to be shit then i'm not going to be disappointed and if it's actually marginally good or good great amazing so i think yeah the the future um could be good as long as i don't beat this horse too much before it becomes dead mm. uh, we have to do a whole episode on Disney's treatment of Lucasfilm and uh, actually I just want to sorry I'm going to refer to a sec but a part of me kind of wants to go as a group and watch Indiana Jones and then do a recording immediately afterwards um, <laughs> I, know that, I know it's a little bit like wankery but I kind of I kind of want to do that because I, I, I yeah I think yeah, we can continue that. that conversation yeah. Rowan <laughs> um, sorry Alan please uh, pretty much just a mixture of everyone else's opinion. So yeah, Ahsoka. Look, hopefully it's great. If it's not, it's pretty much a lost me. Um, I'll watch Andor season two just because I love season one. Um, and I am interested in, um, like Rowan was saying, the stuff outside of the Skywalker saga. 
sort of timeline. So anything that sort of avoids the main characters, tells an individual story, I'll, I'll be interested in it to see what it is. Um, I've got absolutely no desire to watch a movie about Rey rebuilding the Jedi Order. Like, I've just no interest. And I find it quite interesting they haven't labelled it as, I guess, episode 10. So mm. are they planning this on being a standalone and see how it goes and then they'll expand on it? Or I don't know what, what their go is. But yeah, look, for me, Disney... Like, I only watched Mando season three because I needed something to kill six hours on a plane to Bali. That's the only reason I watched it. And everyone said it was terrible. And now that I've watched it, yeah, I agree. It is terrible. So it's sort of diminishing returns for me at the moment with Star Wars. I will say, as long as they, if they, again, going to the next neighborhood, the next street down the road, um, as long as they can do hints, like you guys were saying to that um, 212 unit or whatever, like those little nods to the fans is what they need, but they don't need to bring in, oh, hey, look, here's Vader. Here's, here's Luke. Because I, the one person I really don't like in the whole series is Luke. I find him very frustrating with his whole character. Um, but like, have those nods to those characters, but don't bring them in. Be like, hey, look over here. You love this. Here he is. Or here's this person. But, you know, reference them. Referencing is fine. Rogue, Rogue One. Perfect. Yes. Exactly. Little tiny bits. You love Little sprinkling. Nodded. Like salt bay. Yeah. Exactly. Salt bay the invader. And yeah. that's it. And that's the perfect Star Wars film for me. Is something that's not in the Skywalker um, arcs, canon, and then just salt bay. A little bit of, little bit of something in there. So, um, I think that I'm with the exception of Andor and again Ahsoka, but I'm I'm hesitant about Ahsoka. I'm not excited for anything that Star Wars has planned live action. Um and I think it's quite telling that there's less than half a dozen properties and a sizable amount of those are not confirmed. You know, what I'm worried about is that we've kind of passed the peak of Star Wars. And I think that Disney has done, ultimately, I think Disney has not done a good job at bringing younger generations into Star Wars. I think that Grogu appeals to millennials and up. I don't think that Zoomers are watching Star Wars. And I'm, I'm genuinely worried that we're the last generation of star wars which is why when i look at something like obi-wan i'm grateful for that because i don't think we'd ever get something like that again and i don't think we'll get a sequel to obi-wan somehow either and so like without trying to end this episode on a bit of a down note if you kind of look at sort of the broader context of what's happening within the star wars industry and we haven't even discussed the books um and we haven't discussed really the video games in this in this but just to broadly talk about it um the book's you know, Star Wars started the High Republic book series a couple of years ago. That's been a complete failure. Um, the video games, yes, they have been successful and they are finding success with the video games, but that success is in specific time periods in the Star Wars universe. They're not pushing that sequel era of anything. They're playing it really safe with when they're choosing to set these games. And, and so when we sort of start talking about like, okay, is there a future for Star Wars? Well, I don't know. I think the best that we're going to get is Star Wars playing it safe with the Filoni universe because it's just live action extensions on things that they know Star Wars works. But I just don't know whether or not we're going to get original stories anymore. And I'm worried that you know 
this Ray movie might end up actually being the killing shot for Star Wars because I just do not see any mass appeal for that character. And my concern is that Disney keeps having flop after flop consistently for the last couple of years now that, you know, how many more Star Wars flops does there have to be before Disney goes, well, wait a second, it's not financially worth doing anything more with Star Wars. And that's disappointing to me because this should have been, this should, this should be self-sustaining in its own popularity and its own success. But it just feels like Disney is genuinely struggling to consistently make good Star Wars and consistently sell it to its audiences, let alone build a new audience. Also, this is an audio podcast, so nodding is, while well, it visually looks good from the audience's <laughs> perspective, <laughs> just silence after I spoke. <laughs> no, it's all, all, I think we agree with all that, right? There's no disagreement there. It's, yeah. It's also an element of, oh, sorry, Jane. Well, no, you're right. There's, there's five of us here. There's four relatively hardcore Star Wars fans and a casual observer. So we haven't got the widest group of people to to look at but the all hardcores and the casual observer none of them want to see that new movie with ray and potentially grogu involved there's no interest at all from anyone seeing that so who does it appeal to if it's not the hardcore fans or the casual observer who wants to see it why would it yeah. why does it need to be created why why is that happening Funnily i enough, don't understand for me the in terms of all the Star Wars properties, for people that are not hardcore Star Wars fans or not even casual Star Wars fans, the ones that everyone sort of says I really liked it, including my partner, was Rogue One and Solo. So I think, you know, there is that element of, you know, if it's outside the Skywalker saga, they might have some success, what Rowan was indicating. Like, you know, people have an interest in stuff that's new and fresh. So maybe that's the way they need to sort of pivot. People like good movies that just happen to be set in the Star Wars universe. But people mm. will not watch bad Star Wars movies set in the Star Wars universe, which is what the sequel trilogy ended up being. And it's, I'm, I don't want to prejudice it because I, I actually don't have an issue with Daisy Ridley. I have, I have a massive issue with the Rey Skywalker character and we could probably definitely have a not safe for work conversation around sort of some of the, and we, we, we actually haven't even touched on, I'm quite proud of myself, Alan. It's an hour and 45 minutes into this. And we have not mentioned the politics of Star Wars on the Disney at all. So I'm very proud of myself for that one. Um, but there's definitely a, there's definitely a conversation as to why Disney feels like this is its next best shot, because clearly they either know something that we don't or, there's something else guiding the decision because doing a Ray Skywalker movie does not make sense for me. Like as a Star Wars yeah, fan, I, I just don't understand why why they would be going in that direction right now. Unless the fact that it's just very cheap to hire Daisy Whit Ridley. That's also another <laughs> pause. It might just be a cheap way of doing a Star Wars film. Yeah. So Rowan, you look very pensive, mate. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about it because, like, you, you've touched on something that I was, I've kind of been thinking about Star Wars for a long time, um, and because I'm not entrenched in the 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 whole Star Wars realm, um, like these movies, are they for you guys? Like, like obviously you will go, sorry to say it, but you will go because it says Star Wars, and see it because you'll be like. I'm holding out a new hope for this movie. 
Well, like what uh, you did there. But, yeah, see? <laughs> um, uh, so you're holding out hope for that movie to be actually good, but yet you're all of the age to have children. Yep. So you're probably going to take your kids along, your daughters, your sons or whatever, and they might get involved in this movie like you guys did when you were kids. And that's probably how what the, Disney's hoping that these older fans are going to take their their kids to the movies and their kids are going to fall in love with it. And it's yes, it's going to give them a bit of fan service, but actually, it's actually for these guys, these younger under you know, 16, 15-year-olds to, to inspire them, to create the, the images in their head, to get that passion started now. So then they've got another generation of Star Wars fans going forward. And I think that's potentially what they were trying to do with the sequel trilogy is trying to get a new generation in there. Because if you think about it, you're all of the age where Phantom Menace was like kind of around that era when you guys were like 15, 16. Seven. Um, you may have watched, sorry? Seven, eight, mate. We're a bit younger than you. <laughs> Seven, eight. Okay. A bit younger than me. Yeah. Um, but like, so you didn't see the original trilogy yeah. when they were out in cinema. Yeah. So you got to think of it this way. Like those old trackers well, and even that's their way before my time, like I would not have seen them either. That's, but not like... en- that's not entirely true. So I don't mean to cut you off. That's not entirely true. We had the 1990s re-releases. So in 97, 98, we had them. So we actually were kind of, well, we were specifically, we were primed for episode one. So I don't mean to cut you yeah. off, but there was, there was no, no, a no. strategy that they tried to do for, uh, for us. Yeah. So, but those trilogy was designed for you, yeah. like for this generation, for the millennials. Yeah. Um, and then the generation before the the boomers, Gen Xs, whatever they had their trilogy, so it's kind of like they're going to move generations as they go. Maybe skip a generation, because you know I was there, I was out of both kind of generations. I was a bit too old for that and a bit too young for that. So maybe that isn't necessarily being aimed at you guys, but it's being aimed at your kids. Yeah, and we I don't know. No, it's my take. No, no, no. It's a fair point. We we actually discussed this. I think it was like the first or second episode. We 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 went we went into this a little bit of detail because um th- there's a strong argument that millennials are being aged out of the target for content. Um and what's one of my sort of existential threats is that at a certain point movies are not going to be made for us. And I can kind of see that coming on the horizon at the moment. Um because we're mm. we're just aging out of that demographic that can actually spend money for, for that quadrant. Um, I would absolutely love it if Dean's kids love Star Wars. So Dean's kids are, you know, how old's Charlie? Which is seven, eight. Yeah. So we've got nine, nine, sorry. Yeah. Nine, six and five and then one year old. So So I would love it a bit out. So I would love it Uh, if Charlie is a nine year old adored Star Wars, but I don't know if you asked Charlie's friends and you polled them how many of them like Star Wars, how many of them would actually firstly know what Star Wars is and then secondly put their hand up and say, yeah, I absolutely love it. I just, I just yeah. don't see Star Wars having that. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back that up there with, with something though, Dean, which is that the merchandise sales for Star Wars have completely bottomed out. And so there is almost yeah. no kids' merchandise. There's no, almost no presence in Star Wars kids' merchandise at any level. And if Alan unblurs his background for a second, please, <laughs> where you can see the expenditure for Star Wars merchandise is actually not with children, but with grown-ass millennials spending fifty bucks on Black Series figures. And I'm not—I'm yeah. going to throw myself in that ring. I also have a very impressive collection of Star Wars figures and action figures, but my uh, my marriage and my what? Well, yeah, so. That's where the money that would have really just Mara Jade. I'm very excited. 
with, with Charlie's class, I know there's um, three people in her class that like Star Wars. Yep. One's her best friend. Um, that's a nine-year-old girl. There's a nine-year-old boy there that also likes it. And then the teacher. Yeah, but if we if we um, went back to if we went if we went but back no yeah if we went back to us and you know nine so grade four grade five Star Wars was every every boy loved Star Wars, um and yeah you know, a lot of the girls would like Star like Wars as well too but every single boy liked Star Wars in fact that we're all in our thirties and you know forties sort of actually I don't know how old you are so Ron I should have presumed forties then but the fact that we're all kind of you know talking about this now is sort of a testament to the impact that it had on us in that period I just don't see. I definitely don't see Gen Z. Like my my brother-in-law doesn't really give a shit about Star Wars. Um, I don't think any of his friends do. So that's sort of like those teenagers now, I don't think care. I don't think Star Wars trends on TikTok. I don't think that it has any real presence in gaming. Like as you have Fortnite themed Star Wars, but that's kind of it. There's definitely not sort of some mass appeal Star Wars game that's grabbing the, the Gen Zers. And I think that the Gen Alphas, so I think that's what, I think that's what Charlie and Mason and Connor's generation is, that sort of under 10 generation. I think they're the alphas or whatever. They, I think that's what it's called. I just don't see Disney really resonating with them, even though Star Wars has never been more saturated. So there has never been more Star mm. Wars and more availability more for Star, Star Wars, Wars than there is today. Yeah. And I can't, and I think it's got the lowest cultural footprint that it's ever had. Yeah. Tell us, tell us yeah. Sorry, Matt, you're a teacher as well too, so you're around students. Sorry, we should have asked you. Um, like, does Star Wars, does it have any relevance for your students? Not at all. None talk about it. Like, uh, none of my kids talk about it. It's, uh, it's quite sad. And so that's why, I, that's why I kind of think that we're sort of, we might have passed the peak of what we're going to get. And right, we, we, I mean, we could, like, there's a whole conversation around sort of the politics of it and what's happening at Lucasfilm and you know, if Indiana Jones is the flop that it's looking like it's going to be, then maybe there might be some serious changes at Lucasfilm. And I, I promise we weren't going to do like 30 minutes of hate for Kathleen Kennedy, but there's definitely been consistent decisions that have been made, which I don't think have benefited the franchise overall. And I just don't know whether Star Wars is in a stronger place in 2023 than it was in 2015. Yes, there's been some superb stuff no. There's been some superb stuff like Andor, you know, Rogue One, Solo. There's been some stuff that's brilliant. I just don't know whether the Star Wars brand is stronger today than it was 10 years ago. I don't think it is, personally. And Jerick, do you think that's because there's been too much Star Wars in the recent years? I think... Too much bad Star Wars. Because, <sighs> like, when you have those really good movies, you're just like, man, that was good. Like, I want more of that. And then they come out, like, 10 years later, and you're like... Let's go and see that because that those movies were great. But if you had a consistent thing over the last few years of Andor, Mandalorian, whatever, like, and the the sequel trilogy, Rogue One, Han Solo, like, it did feel like like the Harry Potter movies. One was coming out every year or every year, and then half a year or whatever it was had that was their release schedule. At one point was a Christmas, then a June, then a Christmas, and then there was a gap, and then it was a whatever. Like, to me, that's too much. Like, maybe one a year, maybe one every two years would be better. Um, which might get that kind of excitement going because people are thirsty for that that story to continue, that those characters to grow. Um, but to have something that's coming out more consistently, which even though it's good for um, consistent Star Wars appreciators and Star Trek appreciators, and like I'm in the same boat with my franchises. Like, give me more, I want more. But then you get things that are 
are not necessarily the best because they kind of go, oh, let's let's capitalize on this. There's a passion because we did this, you know, um, reboot of this franchise, um, and they want to they want to give out more and more and more because these people are vocal and they want it. But then you get too much and it's a bit of a uh, you get overwhelmed and there's just too much going on. So maybe potentially that's why we're all feeling that for our respective franchises that it's not necessarily good at the moment because we've had too much. So, we're full. So I think that, our cup is overflowing. So I, I think there's a, there's a, that's a valid argument, and I, we kind of have to roll back to 2014, 2015, and Disney was desperately trying to replicate the MCU, and they they wanted Star Wars to follow the MCU pattern of tentpole feature films breeding into the larger story. The problem was that they were just extremely bad at executing that. And the fact that the main sequel trilogy didn't have an overarching plan, you know, for, okay, phase four of Marvel, and I'd love to do a discussion of phase four of Marvel because I think it's just a broken mess, but phases one to three, for all its faults, as Alan said at the start of the episode, there was a clear plan and it was clearly leading to something. And the weakest Marvel property was still supplemented by the greatest story that it was trying to tell. Star Wars does not have that presently. It's almost like warring factions. Literally, in some cases, it actually is warring factions that have different pieces of the universe that they're desperately trying to carve out their own sort of, you know, funding in order to tell their stories in conflict with other factions within the Lucasfilm area. And so I, I just... I think that the sort of the infighting, the lack of consistency, I think that there were some strategic errors with who Star Wars was trying to target and the type of characters that Star Wars was trying to promote. Um, and, and, you know, like, again, I'm, I'm conscious that there's, there's a, you know, this part of the conversation can very easily go sort of, you know, conspiracy theory, Star Wars is, you know, not for boys, all of that sort of stuff. I'm very aware that there's that part of the internet that this can quickly devolve into. I don't 100% agree with that, but I think that there is definitely, there's definitely an element where Star Wars has not managed to cement itself with Gen Z and it's definitely not cemented itself with Gen Alpha. And there should be no reason why that's not the case because you had three generations of boomers, X and millennials that that wasn't a problem with. And so whatever they've done over the last 10 years, they've clearly failed at a strategic level to build the brand up for future generations. Mm. Absolutely. We're all nodding for the audio listeners. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the closed caption audio support for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no awesome guys but i'm sorry i know this has been a bit more from monologue one but we're just about to hit we've actually just hit two hours so there's definitely a, definitely a, a um an energetic conversation um any any sort of final remarks otherwise we might just uh wrap up and call it a night so dean can go and get his work well, done thanks for having me on no, yeah, no pleasure, i've man. unfortunately got work to do so yeah. um yeah thank you for having me on awesome uh rowan matt any uh, thanks for having me on. It was a good discussion. I'd like to um, discuss this further, but yeah, oh, this, no. was a, this was good. Definitely. Uh, Rob? Uh, yeah, again, thank you for having me. Thank you for putting out with my Star Trek and Stargate references, um, as conny as some of them were. Uh, yeah, it was a good discussion. I think um, there is a lot that 
people can talk about with this and you know i do obviously have a different perspective to you guys so i'm glad to hear what you guys were thinking um about what's coming up oh and i'm still looking forward to it oh thanks thanks for coming on man we appreciate it uh alan yeah thanks for coming on rowan it's always good to get sort of an outsider's perspective on things because we can get a little bit wrapped up in our own thoughts about our passion um being star wars yeah i think look two hours we've hit two hours is probably a million and one things we haven't talked about which just shows you the depth of you know yeah. how far star yeah. wars goes we could almost do like a part two of this discussing sort of our thoughts but you know, good chat everyone hopefully star wars can turn it around well i'm sure that this will get the traction and it will make it all the way up to the top of disney and there will be some focus group at lucasfilm that will dissect this and some poor intern will need to you know <laughs> provide the recommendations Bob Iger will listen to our ideas and say, yeah, we were onto something, yeah. Well, to be fair, the way that they've been throwing shit at the dartboard lately, I wouldn't be putting it past them <laughs> at this point. Can, can we just segue slightly? Of course. Who, who the fuck is the Indiana Jones movie for? Uh, like, No one is the answer. No one. Like, granted, yeah, I love that. Fans of Fleabag. Yeah. <laughs> Like, the original three, I love them, and then Crystal Skull kind of just came out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, okay, we're getting a fourth one, and, like, I know it's because Harrison Ford is, like, the only character that he actually loves out of all the characters that he's played, but even he looks really upset on his press tour, but, like, I don't know who this movie's for, and I don't know why they're going ahead with it. It's just it's just weird. Yes. But anyway, sorry, I digress. I, I, I definitely think we should do a... A, a, a watch of Indiana Jones 4 and then use that inevitable anger to discuss Yes. some... <laughs> I, I, I only want to see it because I do want to see Indiana Jones punching Nazis and the fact that Mads Mikkelsen is playing a Nazi excites me. I do want to see that. He does seem like a natural Nazi to his credit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, nice compliment. Yeah, there's, 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 definitely a comp- yeah, there's definitely a discussion around that one because I, I think that what they're doing with Indiana Jones is... Um, that's that's very Kathleen Kennedy and that sort of flea bag or whatever the lady is that plays that character that she's yeah there's there's definitely been a um an attempt to try to shift the focus of the Indiana Jones franchise and I do know that there was a series of reshoots with Indiana Jones because the initial test screenings were so atrocious that they reshot sections of the film um <laughs> But yeah, that's oh, maybe we'll do that for a specific Indiana Jones discussion. On that one, yep. I'll do it for the sake of uh, the podcast, but I, I, w- I wouldn't watch it any other way. Maybe, maybe, maybe we say fuck it. Maybe we, no, we're not going to say we pirate it because we don't condone pirating, but wink. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or we just wait for it to come out on Disney Plus like in eight weeks' time because it's going to flop in the cinema. In so they're going to try yeah. to get it on yeah. Disney Plus as quickly as possible. Aren't we press? Can't we get like press tickets? Aren't we that? established now right so we can just you know sidle I, up to Hoyts and i mean alan if we were so established that we get press tickets i guarantee you lucasfilm will not be giving us press tickets after this conversation <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i would wear that as a badge of honor sir oh i can't i, w- I would hope to get demonetized because it meant at least someone's paying attention and that also implies that at some point <laughs> it's been monetized Awesome guys, on that though, I'll, I'll stop the stream. So, yeah, thanks everyone for coming. Um, you guys want to hang around for a sec um, after I finish up, but yeah, just yeah, thanks for listening and have a good night, everyone. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See you later.